Alright, what's going on folks? Hope you're all doing well. Welcome back to the Bordello. I'm Sam Adamo. I'm joined by a couple of very esteemed guests. I'm excited for this one. We're not solo. We're down here in New York. What we're trying to do is we're trying to, you know, we're, we're trying to make, uh, I, I'm, I'm in desperate search of, uh, of, uh, of connection and, and, and you've helped me to that effect. Alex Carabano. Uh, what up? Welcome back on the Say show. That. It's been, it's been a year. Yeah. And since we met a year ago. You've been trying to get on. You've been trying to connect me with the guest to my left. The amazing. Mr. Gabriel Ferrari. I appreciate it very much. What up? What up? Gabriel, what's up, man? You have a very baritone voice. You're going to dominate the fuck out of us right now. You can't hear it because you don't have the headphones on. I do. I know this is a very weird optical look right now with me holding the... Uh, like I feel like a... I feel like a... Like a... Like a lead... Like a fucking member of like a, like a Roman legion like with a spear or something yeah, right yeah. now with this... I don't want to say the wrong thing. You just go, fucking <laughs> knock me out. Uh, so, so why don't we just get into everyone's background here? You're a very interesting guy. We were kind of going back and forth uh, for a while, getting this whole thing set up, and uh, and and we, we were getting into stories that, uh, you know, I don't know. The, we, we were saying, you know what? Let's not get too into this right now. This feels like interesting pod talk, but but. I didn't realize how interesting you actually are. I thought we just might be getting... Because, you know, I, I'd only seen, you know... I'd seen highlights of you on YouTube from 13 years ago that I looked up. I read a little bit about you. And then Alex, you know, raved about uh, you as a guy. And that's all I based it off of. So I, sweet, Alex. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. But I know nothing of what you've been up to lately. So you're going on about all these fucking crazy things you have going on. And you might be the most interesting man in, in, in football right now. And you're not even in football anymore. I mean, you kind of are as a coach. We can get into that a little bit. Um, but you were talking about how you have a bunch of crazy stories. You used to play for Sampdoria yes, sir. in Italy, uh, and you were, I think at one point, one of the only Americans in Serie A on a contract, if not the only one. Correct, that is true. Um, so yeah, I, uh, this was in 2006, 2007-ish, and um, I basically left New York and there's a whole story with that process of me leaving New York, but um, I had a full scholarship to go to UConn as well. I was like in high school and whatnot, so it was kind of like, what do I do? Go to college? Most guys go to college, right? Exactly. But, so uh, to not do that would have been kind of weird. Most guys, but um, <laughs> I saw that you know there was an opportunity to to live in Europe, which to me is personally more interesting than four years in Connecticut. To be honest, going to UConn. Facts. So, um, I had an opportunity. There was an agent in Italy that saw, you know, a little highlight reel of me playing in the Red Bull Academy here in New York and and my high school, which was in uh, New Jersey. So basically, he said, "Come to Europe and try out." I went to Holland first. It was an Italian agent, but he had connections in in Holland. So I went to a team called Vitesse, which is uh, right, in yeah. Arnhem. And uh, after about a week, they wanted to sign me there. This was with the U20s. I was 17 years old. So you train with like the reserves, right? Sure. And um, and they they offered me a contract. So the agent was like, "Oh well, if you're getting a contract offered by Vitesse, let's take you to Ajax." So I go to Ajax maybe a week later, and I'm there for like three weeks. And they offer me a contract as well. Got and that's something that you know was like I look at crossroads in my life and decisions made, and sometimes I kind of like regret not staying in Amsterdam and playing for Ajax. But long story short, I got injured in a game uh, against Sparta Prague 
Ajax against Sparta Prague. In a youth league game. In, it, it's a friendly game that happened in Amsterdam. So you're on trial. I'm on trial. Friendly game okay. happens. Exactly. So you got the jersey on and everything. Oh, Somebody yeah, fouled scored, you? It was actually, it was me falling on the floor and oh, my okay. wrist, I broke a bone in my wrist, a scaphoid bone, which is a, a long bone to heal. Okay. But, that, but that's not the end of the world. It's, no. it's not. It's but not that a, happened during the game. But the, the reason why that I bring that up is because after that game, um, which I scored one one tie uh, against Sparta Prague. Got him. Thing, right, representing New York. <laughs> Say less. Um, so after that game, I'm like, shit, my wrist hurts. And uh, I get an x-ray done and I break my, my bone. And at that point, Ajax is like, all right, listen, you want to stay here? We're going to offer you a thousand euros a month and you're going to be living here, this and that. And my agent was like, no, you know, you deserve more as a typical Italian guy, ambitious and <laughs> wanting too much. And uh, me and my father in the, in the meeting looking at each other like, dude, Ajax is pretty good, you know what I mean? I don't know. But he was like, hey, we take you to Sampdoria and they're going to treat you right. And I was like, say less. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. So we go to Sampdoria and I'm over there with a little little, little wrist uh, thing on uh, just to protect. And they see that and they're like, dude, you can't try out here if you're injured. And I was like, what? And they were like, yeah, It's a whole bureaucratic exactly. thing. It's a liability issue and whatnot. It's a, it's a whole thing with Italian so, bureaucracy. And the coach actually was Attilio Lombardo, which was a champion in Serie A in the early 90s with, with Sampdoria when Mancini played there, when the, I believe it was Gulli played there as well, and Seydorf also played in Sampdoria in the early 90s. So Attilio Lombardo was the coach of the Primavera at that time, which is the reserves. Yeah. And they said, listen, you got to get your ass back to New York and do a surgery or something. And then when you're ready, you could come back here. And I was like, fuck, bro serious and yeah. at that point were you not horrified and said i'm going back to i actually you already said no to them already said no my my agent already burned that bridge with his arrogance let's right say. he had a player there at that moment sami kufur which was a i believe he was a ghanaian defender so he already had like issues with ajax because of the way they were treating his guy so he kind of was on bad terms with mm. them you don't want an italian guy with a vendetta rep no. at you but, he, but if he's <laughs> yeah. your own but if he's your only in exactly so so then i have to come back to new york and i'm like dude i was like basically about to like sign with European teams and now I have to go back to New York. And when I come back here, I did his surgery. Imagine <laughs> <laughs> I do the surgery. <laughs> and at that point, um, most of the people here are like, yo, he didn't make it, bro. You, you, you back over here. So and you're that guy with the story who says right. I would have signed. Yeah, exactly. But, but there yeah, but it was a tech, there was a technicality. You know, there's a lot of guys with that story though, that do come back from, uh, you know, forays abroad, albeit not with clubs at that high a level. Mm. But I, you know, I played with guys who, Almost got signed by right. Gang or whatever, but right, you know right. there was a there was too you know it was too complicated because there's a rule on how many foreign guys they have and the guy didn't have you know right. you know totally. he, he didn't have his paperwork he was Algerian he thought that would get him an in but he can't get a French passport totally. because he's from Canada you know there's a lot of guys with that story no and, and yeah but but again we kind of all. In that world, we're all like, mm, yeah, another one of those. But in your case, it was yeah. But I, I was, it, was, it, was a little, it was a legitimate grievance. Right, exactly. So I get my surgery done, and I have a cast on. And this is in the summer of, I want to say, 2006, maybe. I feel like I remember you when you come to the Pier 4. That's or like exactly around it. With this, the is where, this is where you come into play, because at that moment, I was going to St. Benedict's Prep, which is a super, really, like, soccer entity. It's like a Tab Ramos went there. Claudio Reyna went there. Uh, a good friend of ours, Jose Angulo, went there with me, who also played pro. It's like it's a powerhouse in the tri-state area, probably in the United States. But they were like, "Dude, you're not coming back here. You refused a full scholarship to UConn. They didn't like that I did that. That I went to Europe and tried out. So they were like, you're not coming back to this school.' So I had that door closed. They treated yeah. you, yeah, right. They gave right. me a cold shoulder. So I go up to I go to Westside High over there in uh in, in I believe it was uh Spanish, not Spanish Harlem, but like in Harlem, and I got my high school diploma there. And in those six in those six weeks, sorry, I have to train by myself. 
I have to keep in shape because mm -hmm. I know I'm going back to Sampdoria. Mm -hmm. And I lived in uh, Hell's Kitchen on 51st and 10th. I would run from Hell's Kitchen from my house on the West Side Highway to Pier 40 every day. And this is where my boy Alex comes into play and the whole community and the whole, uh, you know, ecosystem that was like the soccer in Pier 40. Guys yeah. from all over the place, from Brazil, Colombia, uh, European countries. And I would go and play pickup games the whole day. Yeah. And that was my preparation for those six weeks to go back to Europe. So these pickup games were high level, man. These guys were yeah. ballers, as Alex included, technical player, you know what I mean? So it was something that, that made me get ready to go to, to Europe. And that was something that is very atypical for somebody that's going to go try out for big Serie A teams. And they're saying, yeah, I'm getting ready with some pickup games with my boys. Yeah. Pier 40 was like on a... They had a rooftop, but it was on a pier, and it was this fucking dope field. Like still I don't there, right? It's still, still there. Yeah. Go down Houston, just go all the way down Houston on the West Side Highway. It's still there. I don't and like it, the way you guys pronounce that, by the way. Which one? Houston or Houston? Houston. It's yeah. Houston in New, New York. York, man. Come on, huh? <laughs> come on, bro. So, dude, so, so, so douchey. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so, so yeah, I mean, you are playing with men, which is good. You know, if you're a kid, you know, it's it's. It's one thing to kind of train with your U19 team or with other guys who are your age, at your level of like, you know, physique. But are you a little older than Gabriel? Yeah, for sure. So you were, you were a grown-ass man. Yeah, I was already like kind of – I was playing in the Cosmo D1 League with a team called Rovers. <clears throat> but I was already like – I didn't care. I was smoking weed. Just, but I would go to the competitive games because I knew guys like him. And they were also mad cool. Like we would all – we're all from New we York or Jersey. Yeah. We'd all hang out. We'd chill. We'd bug out. And – there was an interesting, cool fucking group yeah. there, and we had some nice games. And he would, f when this guy would show up, he'd fucking fly. Past. You could see the difference in training. We're like, all right, everybody's good here, but this motherfucker is like, you were sharper. Yeah. But again, but you know, th there probably is some value to having played with like grown guys who are a little, a little more rough, and but also, you know, who have a certain level to them. I, I, sometimes I see games taking place in like, you know, I saw this one game in Angola the other day on the, like, on the internet. There are great pickup games and great technical players and all corner, you know, all over the fucking world. I'm sure there's a bunch of Brazilians who, you know, don't make it through the cracks or who right. fall through the cracks, I should say, who don't make it through, who fall through the cracks and who don't wind up, you know, taking part in football at any like, you know, serious level of infrastructure. But there are guys with, you know, real talent that exist all over the fucking place. Totally. You know, you probably have seen that. Right? You, you were talking about you, you have a place in Brazil and you go back there now and you coach a little bit. How many guys just from your little town you think probably could hypothetically play like, you know, in a first or second division, you know, league somewhere in Europe, you know? Totally. There's, uh, I mean, South America is, is, is equivalent to what uh, basketball is in New York and like the amount of like people are playing basketball and just every, every street you go to, there's a basketball court. Well, in South America and Brazil and Colombia, these places... There's a futsal field everywhere. There's some kid or some guy there that you look at and you're like, dude, this is the real deal right here. But obviously because of lack of resources, sometimes lack of motivation also, lack of many things. Discipline. Exactly, discipline. They end up just staying right there and, and they never have that chance. But I have to say, um, as I was living in, I've been living in Brazil for the past six years and coaching there as well. Your, your mom is Brazilian. My mom right? is Brazilian. Yeah. We, should, we should probably say that. Yeah. So, totally. so your, your dad, your dad's a New York Italian. Yes, sir. Hence the, you know, the connection to Italy. His and dad I guess would the show up with mad funny, yelling at everybody, like coaching, basically yelling at him. But he was a cool guy, man. He was funny as fuck. Yeah. He's a, uh, he's a guy. He, he played as well, but he's, uh, he's basically my, my sensei. Let's say he's a guy that, that taught me the game and, and guided me through throughout the whole process. So, but sorry. So you were talking about Brazil. I, yes, I cut sir. you off. Yeah. No so, worries. so you you you're back and forth 
you know, you've been back and forth for a little while. Actually, you, to be fair, you said that you don't really come back to New York that much anymore. You've been around for, um, I guess, a few months now, but yeah, it's the first time for, in a while. I've been back for six months. I was living in Brazil for the past six years. I bought a house over there. and. Uh, so what do you see down there in terms of just, you know, guys, you guys of a certain level of guys once. not... And I did not visit New York once. And I can't say smart I was guy. missing it either, to be smart honest guy, with you. Smart guy, smart guy. Because this cold is not the right one right now. It's, uh, well, it's funny you say that because because I think there's something about being a New Yorker. You are a New York guy. You come back and you're like, you're telling me about, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a New Yorker through and through, you know. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I'm almost quoting you like an hour ago. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. We have this. It, this, this like, it is baked into you. It is exactly. There's this thing fun. where we have this level of arrogance as New Yorkers that we think the world revolves around. So many New Yorkers in Florida. I met a bunch of them two months ago when I was in Miami, and they're still like, it's like it's like New York 2.0. Yeah, they're like, yeah, exactly. Oh, this fucking sucks. You know, fucking bagels suck down here. It's like, they, okay. they, yeah, they always make fun of the bagels. The water. Fuck, you know, fucking Cuomo. I gotta come down here. Fuck, it sucks. <laughs> yeah. Sucks up there, and I come down here. We can't fucking eat. It's like, you know, yeah. there's, there's this like innate like there's this built-in thing where you're just complaining anywhere you are, but um. Yeah, so so you would see guys down in Brazil that oh, probably have at, exactly. So what I was a getting certain at is, level, yeah, but but don't. Yeah. I'm gonna tell you straight up that Brazilian soccer and the Brazilian way of playing to me is a bit antiquated, and the way they see the game and 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 their adaptability to modern football is a bit like you know they're struggling to get in tune with what football is asking for nowadays. In my how opinion, because they're not. Maybe they don't have the same defensive work rate as other players around mm. the world. They don't have the same tactical discipline as other players in the world. And they're, they were always reliant on talent and kind of like individuality where in modern football, I think that's becoming less and less of a, of a thing that wins you championships. It's more of a team-oriented game and, and very tactical. And coaching is super important where I think in Brazil, all those elements weren't their forte Coaching. And that's why, yeah. <laughs> you don't think of coaching. Me, exactly. You don't think of coaching in Brazil? Coaching Europe. That's why they, they all fucking beef with their coaches, dude, because they're yeah. all just like, you're, you're trying to fuck up my shit. They're all like bohemians. They're like, you're fucking with my shit, they're man. Like, yeah. yeah. You know, they're, they're like musicians. They're like, you know, I don't, need, I don't need the studio and the executive telling me what's good. Right. It's a yeah. lot of that. It's, I don't need this guy telling me what I can and can't do. I know what, you know, I right. know what's good. I just want to chill, man. I just want to do my thing, man. It, it is interesting that you say that. Because there's this like stereotypical idea of the Brazilian street baller, totally. but it is how a lot of those guys do kind of you know learn to play. There that's isn't a, much infrastructure. That's what I was gonna say real quick. Like in Colombia, there's so much micro football, aka futsal. You know, you're playing that so much, but then you get to a big field. That field is huge, mm. and all that little shit you're doing matters. Maybe when you're in the little corner, but yeah. they don't know how to use the space as much. Right. And I wonder if that's happens in Brazil as that well. That does. That does, and even like. In, I mean, futsal, let's be honest, though, that is the reason why Brazil is what it is as well in football, that technical ability. Yeah, the little to ball. Flare. Exactly. There's, like, futsal to me is, like, the main ingredient. If you want to uh, get football in your country kind of, like, better, I'd say that in America it's starting now. I mean, it probably started a few years ago with futsal here, but um, that adaptability, that transition from like, yeah. from, like, smaller field to bigger field definitely is something that is felt – even just like your dribbles, right? Like, yeah, you could dribble a guy in the short space, but are you able to push that ball forward and, yeah, and, and beat him in a 10, 20 yard sprint? L- lift your head up and, and, and yeah, totally go 45 like, degrees. Like, should be cross, a part of it. Cross field, you know, open the play up. Right. Football should be a part of it, but yeah. it shouldn't be like that's all you're doing. Because then when you go on the big field, I play sometimes, even now, I play in a competitive league, mm. the Bowery D1 league sometimes, and I play with a lot of Latino guys, and I can tell they play a lot of small game. Because when we get to that big field, the, the passes are a little soft. Right. You know, they're good players. They're dribbling when it's like just 
bro, what are you doing? This yeah. field is huge. Like, you got it. We got to get across the field quick. I had the opposite issue. I never really played small side growing up. Mm. Uh, you know, there isn't that much of the. I'm from, you know, I'm from the suburbs in, in Canada, right? Right. From the suburbs of a large of a large city, right? I wasn't an inner city player. Like I, or um. So you had grass fields, nice. Grass yeah, fields. yeah, yeah. Well, I I played intercity soccer. Uh, you know. What I mean, I wasn't an inner city guy who was playing in like a cage, you know, right, inner city, right, not right, inner city, right. inner city. You know, I wasn't a yes. guy who had like, you know, a limited amount of space to play with. And I wasn't playing like in a gym, you know, we, we would play on a field at school. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I find I do well in space. I'm good at like crossing and pinging yeah. and 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 I, I don't do a lot of, you know, I, I get out of space really simply. I don't I don't complicate. It's funny how you kind of get influenced yeah. based on. When you're not on yeah, the phone playing, you definitely you come spread the ball nicely. <laughs> you, Alex has been roasting me. <laughs> Only because Chris made played, fun of you too. So I was like, we I played. Gotta... We played a week ago. I was on a. I was on a call with someone with a professional opportunity, and I showed up at the field on the phone. Yeah, that was amazing. He was with, running around with my jacket. Was still playing with my passes. jacket on. He was yeah, he was, he was doing anything. I was doing better than you. You have. Like, yeah, I, was, yeah. I was telling Gabriel, you, you had the wrong shoe on the fucking on your fucking left foot. <laughs> show with the two wrong shoes. No sleep. I had one cleat, one. You first. were wearing this flannel I was jacket. Pants, bro, this was I gave you a pass into space, and you you looked at me like I. You're like, what, what are you doing? I was like, yeah, I was like, move into space. You were walking tell, everywhere. I'm like, depressed right now, bro. You were, you were I don't care about this. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm looking forward to seeing you. Uh, Shout out to Marcelo. He came with us. Marcelo Hernandez. Uh, er, yeah, who who thought? Yeah, yeah. Who thought I was? Like a, who thought I was a jerk off because I was talking on the phone? He's <laughs> like, what the? F what's Sam doing? Funny. Look, that look, game was goofy. We'll play again. But right now you got a lot to prove because I believe you, but yeah. I've only heard stories Listen, from you and others. I got people vouching for you and yeah. I got you vouching for yourself saying, I was really good. <laughs> I still know what I'm doing. You were that guy. <laughs> you were that guy. Right. Was, You're that guy we're talking about who you know, like, you know, always had an excuse. So far, my, my one time seeing you was you off a cold, off a bug, you know, smoked the night before, no sleep, fighting with a lady. And uh, in a in a bad frame of mind with uh, one one uh, one uh, soft ground shoe and one hard ground shoe, so and I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. But yeah, we'll we'll play. Again. I got one last to go. Remember the end? <laughs> one last, yeah, it was one fleeting moment of brilliance. <laughs> That's fun. But uh, so 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 where where did you come up playing then? Uh, you, you mentioned you're from Hell's Kitchen. Well, what was your how did you get to being a strong enough technical player that you could go to Ajax at 17 with the U20s and play against 18, 19-year-olds and score a goal in the one game? You know, some people just have the innate ability, yeah. but were you, like, uh, did you hone it in, like, uh, were, you, were you an inner-city kid can, uh, playing? Can I say one memory I have of him? And I, I remember this, like, you know, we would all play and we were having fun. I remember you talking, I think it was you, you were like, yeah, every morning, I go in the morning and I do sprints or something yeah. like that for like an hour. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, fuck that. Like, yeah. but that right there, not, of course you need to be technical and good, but that right there is going to make you jump up. A lot of the guys physically. I know, a lot of the guys I know, I don't think Messi was doing that. Ronaldo definitely was. He was a psychopath. Messi's kind of like this guy who just got touched by God. He worked, obviously. He's not, you know, he's not a dog. I mean. You know, Ronaldinho would be an example of a guy who, would, you know, got, got you know, the the, Born. the the golden, you know, yeah. he had the Midas touch, Maradona, same thing, but they probably kind of, you know, they were able to kind of coast on that. Messi probably could have, I think, but he's definitely, you know, just personality-wise, he seems like a guy who's a little more uh, a little more dedicated than a lot of those other really talented guys who had similar levels of, like, technical ability. But Ronaldo's a guy who I think inspired a lot of I don't know if this is, like, an innate thing that a lot of kids are doing independently or, like, a lot of guys my age anyway were inspired by Ronaldo, but they would see the work ethic and stuff yeah. and say, that's what I got to do. And a lot of those guys who I knew um, who kind of wound up making it, at least at some, you know, who got paid to play in some way, 
were psychos like that. They would be waking right. up early in the morning and doing sprints like you were doing. Exactly. You kind of have to have a little bit of that in you. You totally. know what I'm saying? Some that, people just don't. You that know, madness and that kind of like uh, that drive is total commitment to a thing, whatever the thing Bro, is. We saw it on the field because when he would take a fucking sprint. He's, you know, even the fastest guy who was net, who was good, this guy will, you're like, yeah. holy shit. When you blast the ball, be like, I did not want to be a goalie. That's why I was, we were all in the same team. I'm like, hell no. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, it, so, yeah what, in what, terms of my trajectory and whatnot and, and that, um, so yeah, like my, my mother's Brazilian, my father's Italian. So like my first memory of that. But you grew up in New York, right? I grew so, in, I grew so, up in Astoria, Queens. Oh. I grew up in Astoria and in Hell's Kitchen. So mm -hmm. Astoria is another very international neighborhood and. Just a lot of soccer there too. Totally, yeah, yeah. There's a good amount of, of pickup games and small little playgrounds that you would like inconspicuous places with. There's the 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 Moroccan uh, pickup game and then there's the Mexican pickup game and it's like. Uh, it makes sense how many uh, you know pros who wound up playing for the national team in the states come out of New York, right? Not just population wise. I mean, it does make sense. It's a huge number of people that live in in, in but the is city. There a lot? There's not. I was gonna say there's not there's really not. a lot. I always you, say there should you, be What do you say? So there's a lot from California and a lot of guys from New York. I don't no, know. Who, get names from New not York. New York. Like New York, New Jersey guys. Like kind okay, of, so you know, Jersey just maybe, the area. But yeah, like in terms of New York, what is it? Timothy Way, I think, has some some background in New York. Reyna. Reyna's uh, a Jersey kid probably or New York. But his, his, sure. fa his father Jersey. as well. There was that whole beef with... Verhalter. Uh, Alexis Guerrero, yeah, 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 right, he right, right. St. Benedict's as well, where I went to high school. I know Guerrero's is from uh, Alexis is from New Jersey, and he always yeah. he, he he talks extensively about just the uh, the kind of I don't know, I, I mean, I'm probably not, I don't, I don't know, probably not for a while. I don't know where uh, where it stopped for him. I know he played as a kid. He told me, but but he, he's talked a lot about like the the politics of soccer mm. in like New Jersey and New York. I don't know, I just. I, I've always gotten this impression that like a large number of people that wound up playing for the national team were, were at, you Jersey know, kids were always good in this area. They, came, yeah. they grew up on good big 11 on 11 fields. That's what he was saying. Fields. That advantage. Giuseppe Rossi. That's yeah. a, that guy was a solid fucking player, right? There. I don't know. Like I just, there's more guys I think from, you know, New York than thinking about the it, Midwest. But, but then uh, when you say that, cause I think of like, I'm a city guy, so I'm from Queens, Manhattan. So I say, dude, there was nobody from Queens and Manhattan yeah. that made it. But I don't know like it. you just said, it's true. New Jersey, maybe guys from Long Island and, and like as a city guy, you don't feel like you identify with those guys, right. but there are guys, but in terms of in this reality, yeah, this I'm, reality, I'm, I'm kind of looking yeah. a little more it's from true. a wider lens, right? As a, but as an outsider, it might be true what you're saying is true. And in regards to like my, my upbringing, like I, I want to be a basketball player more than I want to be a soccer player. Well, you were talking about, really? about hockey and yeah, whatnot, yeah. just being from New York. Off, I played off pod. We were talking, right. Yeah. Um, I would play basketball more than I played soccer. And then at eight years old, um, my uncle coaches here in New York, Wilson. Shout out to Wilson Ejiju. And um, he sent me to, like, the projects down in the Lower East Side, Alfred E. Smith houses, and there was a little indoor soccer there, and I was eight years old, and that was, like, my first encounter with the ball. And I realized, like, I was fast. I had, like, certain athletic attributes, but I pretty much sucked, I'd say, like, in terms of technical ability and whatnot. And I played for a team called Manhattan Soccer Club, which is a nice, uh, affluent Manhattan team that still exists now. And... I was probably the better player there, but it was a bunch of rich kids from Manhattan, to be honest. Then I go to Dusk, which is another team that was based in Pier 40. Remember Dusk? They yeah, still exist as down well. On Downtown United. Yeah. Yep. They're from, they're, they're, Pier 40 is their headquarters as well. So I played there from like 9 to 10, 11 years old. And these are like teams where they're not really competitive, but I was like the best player on those teams. Mm -hmm. And then I played games against competitive teams like Gachi, which is in Queens, and we would lose like 6-1. And I would score the goal. And, and I would start to see, like, all right, there's levels to this. Mm -hmm. So we play against Gachi, and then I go up to my mom and be like, yo, I want to go try out for that team. She's like, hey, Gabriel, I don't know if you're going to make it over there, like, uh -huh. seeing that the level is higher. And I'm like, no, no, take me. Let's go. So 
I go try out and I'm probably 12 years old and I go to Gachi, which that would be like, let's say the first uh, serious team I, I, I started playing and they're like an MLS next team and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So they mm -hmm. do things the right way. Mm -hmm. And from like 12 to 15, I'd say that was like my immersion into like learning the, the, the game and the competitive infrastructure a little, little bit of coaching Inter oh, a lot of coaching the co coach that was excellent rob schweitzer was like a romanian guy that was super crazy like anybody from outside would be like dude this guy's wild yelling his ass off but he had us playing modern football like it was a three five two we no were moving shit. the ball nice. international team guys from greece afghanistan uruguay me like there was just uh, it was like a melting pot there that was probably the most interesting team I've ever played on and you could say like the pro teams and everything like I look at the youth moments I had and I almost look at those moments as something I cherish more than like winning with Sampdoria type of thing here's the interesting thing is at the time that you were doing all this um the path was not one where a, a ton of guys would go to Europe from the states it happens now but 10 years ago 15 years ago a lot less you're what 35 you're like 10 years older than me yeah, I'm 35 1988 okay okay so you're 10 years older than me so I'm trying to think well you it all we could get into this in a little more depth because I do want to talk about like your time actually like playing in Italy and so right. on and I guess how it ended but just to kind of like you know, at a cursory level just to kind of give people an idea you know as to why you uh you, you're no longer playing I mean 35 a lot of guys do retire you know before the age of 35 to be to be fair right a lot of guys just kind of whatever you know 29 right, it's right. hard for a lot of Americans totally. they'll just say fuck it I'm done there's no other opportunities here but in your case it was injuries right and you were quite young? Yeah, I was, uh, at the moment I stopped playing soccer, I was uh, probably like 25, 26, and I was playing in the fourth division in France, in, across the street from Monte Carlo, in a okay. team called Cap Dai. Okay. And you had, you could go. But, but, but that's where it ended for you, right? That's where it ended, so, exactly. So it was due to injuries, but also, I'm not gonna lie, I was a wild boy. I, yeah. uh, I, that's, I what, that's what I heard. We, we, I we, am a wild boy. I'm not going to uh, lie. Yeah, so we were talking like, about psilocybin before and about, you know, you it's, 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 you know, that, it, which, that which is fine. That's fine. As well. We're like, Brazilian after all, go, right? Right. We have to live up There's to There's a big clubbing uh, thing I know through him and Alberto and there all those go. guys. We were, we were, un unfortunately for me, but I don't regret anything as well. Like, I, I, if I had to relive the situation and they'd say, would you change anything? I wouldn't change jack shit. I want to talk, I want to, yeah, I want to talk a little bit about that. Uh, you just kind of put a bookmark in that because it is interesting. A lot of guys who kind of do, uh, you know, wind up making it in a thing and then eventually kind of burn out for whatever reason. Right. Uh, I, I, you know, um, yeah, just to kind of compare it to, you know, comparing it to other guys in other sports who I've heard of who have had like a similar thing go on. It is interesting. I do want to talk about that. But just to be clear, so, it pretty much ended for you like 10 years ago. Correct. So we're going back in time a little bit. Totally. At the time that you were kind of coming into, you know, the competitive, uh, you know, the competitive, I guess, professional levels in Europe, mm. not many other people were doing it. No, not so, New York especially. And, and in Europe, there was a handful of guys just playing from America. One more no. memory. You came to one of the trainings when I was playing with Rovers and you fucked around. Totally. And he scored like three goals. That was on the roof, right? Wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and it was like... It was a there's a Cosmopolitan D1 league, couple guys ex pro, couple mm. guys college, just got out of college, and I remember you scored like three, that. and they were like, "Who the fuck is that guy?" And I'm like, "I brought him." <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. You were my agent. Then. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I remember. That. But but to be clear, so a lot of guys who I rem I remember like in 2006 when the U.S. men's national team made the World Cup, I think a number of the guys that played for that team, and I mean this is a thing that kind of continued and kind of still continues to this day. Um, it's one of the I think many ways that guys wind up getting into like the highest professional levels of uh, of football and playing for the u.s men's national team but at the time this was a lot more prominent it was a lot of them were guys whose dads were like in the military and like played in germany 
and through that we're able to get into football or maybe they have like a british mom true. they're from england there's mm -hmm. like you know you know whatever so some american guy banged a, a lady abroad <laughs> and 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 he came up abroad right. in a country with like a greater infrastructure or system exactly. and then declared for the u.s because of a you know his 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 ability to just do so Klinsman okay. scooped up all those guys didn't he? when he was around he was getting all these guys that had like a fraction of american it was like yep i want you on the national team right. he was so, doing that. so very atypical for a guy born and bred in the states to go to europe at the time um would you say like so so it sounds you do need to have a cocktail of things mm. the psych like the psychotic work ethic right sprinting running on the you know running on the highway that's that's probably not hurting you, but you know, having a natural ability and you know the right breeding ground, you know, being good enough at twelve to play for the rep team. Some kids just you know they they, they just aren't good enough, right? Athletically, or just, it happens later for them. Um, but then th there's also like this thing. An interesting thing I've noticed is a lot of guys have a, a person. You're talking about your dad being kind of like your sensei, uh, who might have you know held you accountable. I think there's a culture. I think of a lot of you know parents saying you know do whatever the hell you want it does and it can help you to have a parent that pushes you very hard you know uh in, in any kind of sport especially you know a dad who like you know trains you as a boxer you see a lot of guys whose dads are their boxing coach or like Giuseppe Rossi's dad was very involved and I think like took a lot of like risks to get the kid to Italy you know um I wonder if like a lot of kids just didn't have that thing you know, I don't know how. How did you meet the agent? Was it through your father, yeah. kind of hustling? And good question. Yeah, that's uh, and, and what you bring up is very valid because it's there's a fine line between the parents, and I see that as a coach now, right? I see it with the parents and and the, the relationship with the kids and how far they're being pushed and all that. And my father was and my both my both my parents. I'll say like car rides back from games were harsh, bro. It was like <laughs> I could have scored three goals and two assists, and they'd still find nitpicking one thing that maybe I didn't do right that mm. day and. My mom had this thing that she would say, você não tem culhões debaixo das pernas, Gabriel, which means literally you got no balls underneath your, in, in your pants, Gabriel, when I had bad games. So it was like, I would use my parents, they used to doubt me, but I think they did that to kind of motivate right. me, kind of like, you're not going to make it kind of like, and, and I would use that as fire. And literally when I would score goals, I'd be like, yeah, see, I, yeah. I am going to be able to make it. And I would yeah. use that as a fuck you moment to my parents, literally like, right. And as much as I love them and, and they're part of that process, but they, they were able to pull the right strings to make me have that certain mentality, both my mom and my dad. And it was tough love, let's say. You do need it from the parents as well because you as a coach now, you were talking about how you coach a lot of, you, you, you coach a number of teams, right? You're very involved in the game here now. Uh, I guess the last six months since you've been here, you've kind of like gotten into it. You got into coaching in Brazil, but now that you've been back, you've kind I was of- in France actually, when I stopped playing the day after I started coaching. Right away. Okay, so you've been coaching like, you know, for, for almost much. a decade, right? Yeah. So I'm sure you could, you know, you could be a hard ass on the, on the kids to an extent, but mm. a lot of it has to come from themselves or from within, or I guess from the household as well. Totally. Uh, some kids might just have it. Some kids might need like the push of the parents, but you can only do so much, right? right. You can't push every fucking kid that way. Some kids will snap. Some kids will just lose interest because, you know, whatever, they're, they're, they're hard-headed or whatever. And your job is also to instruct. Mm -hmm. You can guide to an extent because you know, like, I guess the infrastructure and, like, the business of football and how it's done and, like, you know, the, the, the adequate way to pursue, I guess, professional opportunities. That's part of it as a coach. Like, you're a, you know, you're, you're, a, you're a, a point of reference for that. But ultimately, you have to teach them how to play the game. Totally. I feel like... It has to kind of come from the parents to an extent. I've actually thought about this a lot. I don't know if you want kids, Alex. I do, but um, I'm getting old. <clears throat> well, that's, you, I honestly would love you, to fucking train a kid because all this, you got time. 
All the stupid way, things be... I didn't know and didn't understand. At least if they ever wanted to play soccer or any sport, I could like, oh, if I only knew that. Here's when I was, the thing. You know? Here's the thing. Now, I want I want kids at some point too. Uh, I'd like it. I'd like a son. I, at least one son. I'd like the kid to at least maybe have a chance to play sports. You know, yeah. selfishly, right? Because I'm I'm a sport guy. Um, but also, like, you do want the best for any kid of yours. I've I've struggled with this, man. Like, I don't know how I'm gonna raise it. My parents were very good parents. Uh, they weren't psychotic. You know, they, they they weren't. You know, they weren't Korean with school. You know, right? They weren't full on. You know, they weren't like your parents with soccer. Now they, we're uh, getting canceled. No, <laughs> no please. It, hel it helps. No, it, no, it's good. No, no, it's, no, a, it's productive. That, that you know, my parents had expectations. I put a lot of pressure on myself. I realized. They weren't like super hard. Like my brother kind of went a different way. He's a lot more. He kind of he 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 didn't put as much pressure on himself to like you know, to do X or Y, and he didn't have my parents really holding him that accountable. It's it was ultimately on us. Right. I went one way. My brother went another. We're different people because of it. You yeah. know, it's not like we were in a household where there was an expectation of every fucking. I mean, there was baseline levels of like of. Just, of stuff that you want to you know implement in the kid that you that you you're gonna raise them a certain way right. but when it comes to i guess just it wasn't a milit it wasn't militaristic some homes are you know uh, you know fucking generals sergeants have kids you hear a lot about like guys from military families having a dad who was you know a drill sergeant with them and uh you know i think it goes one of two ways right you could rebel against your your you know your your parents but you could also be hardened from it mm -hmm. it's almost like a risk to do that you know yeah. like i've thought about it like, like, like do i want you know it how is a relationship right well yeah but 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 ultimately when they get older they should be smart enough to say that was good there you go but it, it it's almost like uh it's almost like you're leaving it up to them mm. you're almost like looking for their approval where you're like hey i don't want him to hate me i better not push him too hard I, I've, I'm kind of, a, I'm a little, you know, reluctant to push him hard in whatever the thing is, school, whatever pursuit he wants to do, music, whatever, it's, it's not good enough. Mm -hmm. I do think there's an element of like productivity that does come from that. And a lot of people that wind up succeeding at like the higher echelons of different fields in society, sports, academics, anything, just wind up and ultimately, which is what you should ultimately like want for your kid, right? It's for, for sure. them to, you know, be the best, right? At a thing or just be doing well, right? Right. Like be self-sufficient and self-motivated. Uh, in addition to being a good person, maybe be creative, but, but, but yeah, I don't know. It's just funny when I talk to people that kind of have gone through that and, and, uh, I guess survived it mm. because it, um, I don't know. It just, it just forces me to ponder whether or not it's what I would want to do. That's a good point. I mean, um, even as much as I, I, I mentioned that the car rides were, were harsh after games and whatnot. There wasn't this like absolute there, in my house with my father, especially like he is a soccer fanatic. He was he lived in Argentina for eight years and is a Boca Juniors. He was in La Barra Brava like he was he would go into La Bombonera and jump inside La Bombonera no before shit. games. So like this guy breathes football. And what was he doing there for eight years as an adult or as a kid? As a there? kid, uh, my grandparents okay. from Milano, they moved to Argentina. This was actually during like the Vietnam War and my uh, sorry yeah my uncle at the time was eligible for the draft so my grandparents were here in New York you know they were like fuck that we're out of we're out of here we're not even going to risk the fact our Got son it. getting yeah. drafted yeah. let's go to Argentina okay. my father's a younger uh -huh. one at like 12 years okay. old so he has a moment of his life in Buenos Aires understood okay so so so, so your dad was a big said, football guy he's a big football guy but as much as he is a big football guy 
there was never this kind of thing like, oh, you have to be a soccer player type of thing. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm huge into m music, for example. Yeah, I, th like, I think I, that's I, the thing. Cinema, is, like, there's so many different I think things. that's the thing is you, you don't force the kid to do there the thing that you, you say, if you're going to do this fucking thing, I'm going to, you know, do, exactly. it, do it well. What well, I'm curious. Well, you know, like, exactly. I'm curious as a coach, mm. how would you say, like, what have you taken from the way you were coached? What do you apply? And then with your with the kids but also and if you have kids will you be the same with them if they like soccer yeah and um what do you what do you mean sorry you lost me there so like <clears throat> the way he was coached you know obviously had an influence now he's a coach you know all the shit that got him to where to have that level. i want to talk about coaching because that's the thing you've also you've also kind of gotten a, a, a you know a greater level of coaching than i got right i'm 20 i'm 26 i stopped playing really competitively a year ago and i only played in canada mm. you just got better coaching than you played totally. you know you, you were in city right so I, i'm curious about that but um that's a good question, right? So, so, you know so how, how and is also, but as a father too, like right. how you think, you know what I mean? Something totally, totally, very interesting. I, I understand. Um, so yeah, I coach kids from like very different ages as well. Like I coach kids from like seven years old to like nineteen. So every age group, there's a different language to me, mm. like a different way of communicating. Right? right. The essence stays the same, but the 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 way you're expressing that message is different in each age group. And I don't have kids, but I'm gonna be straight up. If I have a kid. If and when I have a kid, if it's a guy, if it's a girl, whatever it may be, they, uh, um, whatever it is. Right. Um, <laughs> now we're getting canceled. Yeah, now we're done. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're inclusive. We, <laughs> exactly. We, we cast yeah. the wider net. We love everyone. Story. So I don't even think I would want to, like, even force or introduce, like, forcefully introduce them to soccer. I'd literally, like, leave a bunch of things available. Right. And it's like, whatever yeah, yeah. you pick, right. you go for. So yeah. that's in regards to kid. But with my experience and and i have like two schools of coaching my american school which i have this the person i mentioned before rob schweitzer in right, Gachi, right. A, a pillar my uncle a pillar who mm -hmm. coaches here in new york brazilian coach very free-flowing style mm. rick jacobs in saint benedict's prep a pillar guy that probably never kicked the ball but in terms of the psychological aspect and the motivational mm. extremely good and he he's somebody that worked in the philly union after so he's a guy who has a crazy reputation in New Jersey. He coached Tab Ramos. He coached Claudio Reyna, Burhalter. So those are my pillars in America. And I'd say that those pillars are, they give me the, the motivational aspect, the way to communicate to, to you know, like uh, that last scene in a Disney movie where the coach right. rallies the troops type it's of like thing. like the right? psychological, there emotional. How do you get the best out of? Then my very, European Very school, American. Right. Mighty Ducks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Remember the Titans and we could go on. Um, yeah. Then there's the European school, which is much more tactical, much more real. And that was Novellino, which was my first coach in Sampdoria, who gave me the opportunity to be on the first team. Uh, Mazzari, who actually just got signed by Napoli, Napoli. to coach. Right, he, was right, in, right. He, he was in Sampdoria. Sure. Um, Alberto Bolini, who now coaches the U20 national team, who I won El Campeonato Primavera with Sampdoria. Yeah. And these are guys, Maurizio Sarri, who coaches in Lazio now. Yeah. So these are guys that literally I learned the game through them, tactically. Sure, yeah, so... so what I guess the way you apply that in other fields is you see um, greater immersion into the thing, mm. a greater cerebral immersion, totally, right? It's totally. not it's not just about motivation. It's, it's, about, it's about understanding a thing. Totally, there's levels studying to your thing, studying your music, or studying totally. your comedy, like, or study exactly. studying you know whatever your your exactly. your feet your field it doesn't have to be a creative field. Fuck it, well whatever. Stat, stat being a statistician, just, just understand you know the, the ins and outs and totally. seeing the necessity to to kind of. And in that sense, I was the totally necessity to get all, you know, I don't know, fully immersed into the thing, right? Because totally. they are very involved in in totally, totally exactly. different elements of uh, of 
of the thing, which in the case of football is is you know the tactics and so on. Mm. So uh, yeah. So I basically with the kids, I I give I give I I tell them I, I was lucky enough to to be with great coaches and and to go through different experiences and to play in different continents. I'm here to pass on that info to you guys. Right. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm doing. I'm mm -hmm. a vessel to give that information that helped me. I'm trying to help you guys out, and that's all I'm trying to do. Fine. And and I'm I'm pretty hard-nosed I, I don't mess around I I call people out I'm not a very you know like I, I am and that's maybe the Italian school that gave me that like they're they're also having a competitive edge you kind of yeah. do need that though for for many good co the best coaches I've had you totally. know I went to a Jesuit all Catholic boys high school mm -hmm. so even like you know there, 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 was, there was that culture you know very sports and you know yeah. being you know the discipline you know controlling a group you totally, know totally. I, I do think yeah i think it's pr productive it's important to fucking have that you know do you ever coaching and you and you feel like you're being one of your old coaches or even your dad when mm -hmm. you're like eh, and you're like oh shit i'm i'm did it happen or not really i i, I don't have that moment of reflection where i, I but it inevitably like not when i'm coaching but after or moments just like thinking about what i'm doing i definitely see myself like oh i'm I am that guy to this kid now. Yeah. I am that to this. And it's crazy how yeah. within a blink of an eye, you're already coaching and you're not even playing anymore type right. of thing. But um, I actually, I'm, I, can't, I can't say I enjoy it more, but there is a, a beauty in, in, in being able to, you know, teach the game and, and have an idea, like a film director has an idea of like the movie he wants and he gets the actors and whatnot to try to portray what his idea is. Well, a football coach is also doing the same thing with his idea of what beautiful football is mm -hmm. and trying to get that team to match that right. idea and this guy on the you'll left. probably never re you'll probably never get to that realization but the 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 attempt is the beauty the right. attempt to trying to get that to happen the formulating you know patterns to try to get yeah. them to play a certain way and another thing that I, like what I was mentioning about the Brazilian players is the defensive side of the game which is super important and in Italy as we know you know that's what we we, we take our pride in, let's say. Sure. So I was lucky enough to have that Italian side, but be also Brazilian so I could have like, you know, that, that, that flair aspect in my vision, but also, you know, the, the, the importance of like sacrifice and defending and, right, right, and playing right. with grit, you know what I mean? Yeah. With the Italians. The group, yeah. Exactly. D d the commit, group. commit to the, uh, commit to the cause. There you go. And be part, yeah. That, that's, that's a, it's a thing that I, you know, from the outside looking in, just as a, as a, I guess an involved fan, but who's never been on the inside. That's kind of the perception that I've always gotten of Italian football, right? Is that a lot of these guys who are these ideologues and have this, even if they're not that, you know, that much of an ideologue. Just, just there's, there's a, like Sarri is an example of a real fucking ideologue, but 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 you'll have ultimately just I think a, a greater culture of um, buy into what we're doing. Right. I, that might exist elsewhere in Germany. I can't imagine it, it would be that different, you know. Just, football wise they're they're they're, they're very uh, you know very uh very pra they take football very seriously there as well and they're very pragmatic i guess it's probably a thing that you'll see a lot of in european football just because it's at the highest levels everywhere maybe less in england maybe I'd say so. from what i understand just from the outside looking in but in other european countries it does feel like you have a lot of uh guys that are trying to get you know get you to do things my way yeah, yeah. you know yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I had the experience of playing in France and in Switzerland, and I tried out for teams in, in Denmark, which was a, a Europa League team, Odense, and teams in England as well. But I, I totally agree with you in the sense that in Italy, there is something different in terms of the coaching and the way they want everybody to buy into an idea. And there's just this notion of il gruppo. Whenever you go into a preseason, 
um, in Italy, it's kind of like dobbiamo fare il gruppo. Like it's kind of like you you need to solidify that mm-hmm. group of men that are gonna be going to battle and mm-hmm. and they that everybody's on the same page as a cohesive unit sometimes it happens sometimes it doesn't but the emphasis for that happening was way more than yeah. in other countries yeah and the mm-hmm. fail the failure of the coach is often just the inability to get, get them to buy in true, uh, true. right yeah yeah it's it, that, that is the interesting thing with uh, with co- with coaching in Italy so overall well, just why, why don't we run through your entire uh, just career then just kind of like a resume just just to kind of you know just to kind of give people an idea as to what it is you uh, you did and just some yeah. some of the experiences that you would have had, and then we kind of you know dive in dive into uh, dive into what it was like. Sounds good. But so yes, so so we were at we when, were at we were at Sampdoria and my wrist breaking and and so so well, yeah. So when did you go back to Sam? After I got cleared, did my rehabilitation for my wrist. I go back to Sampdoria in I want to say early 2007. I don't have the dates exact, sure. but early 2007, I show up there ready to try out. And then I'm questioning myself. I was like, dude, did all that work that I did with the pickup games, with the sprints before, is that going to be valid right now in this moment trying out? And after a week, shit was valid. I was flying. You know, I was That's literally great. in tip-top shape mm-hmm. playing. I, I was a center forward or a winger. And my, my, my references, let's say, and I'm not saying I'm anywhere close to these guys in terms of football, but guys that I looked up to that I wanted to emulate were like Thierry Henry because he was super fast and I was extremely fast as well or Ibrahimovic because he was a tall guy with technique as a forward, you know. And, I mean, there's tons of guys that even Riquelme, when I was growing up, yeah, that was a guy that was like a, a master to me. So these were guys that I wanted to emulate my game. And so, long story short, one week in Sampdoria, they signed me. They say, okay, you're going to sign with the Primavera, new signing. And at the moment, Fabio Paratici and Beppe Marotta were the – directors which Paratici was at Tottenham I don't know if he's still there not too long ago he I thought he was in jail last yeah, night right, because <laughs> he did some funky moves <laughs> in Juve and Marotta is in Inter if I'm not mistaken right now so those guys were working with the uh what Paratici was in charge of the youth in Sampdoria right and Marotta was with the first team right. so those were the guys that signed my first contract I'm like dude I made it I did it so with the same agent with the same agent, Giuseppe did you, st- De La Russo. Did you stay with him the whole time that you played? No, there was moments where there was a moment where I detached myself from him. Because so, he was a little nuts? No, nah, he was cool, man. That guy was good people. He was going through a divorce, so I felt like... I, was, I love this guy so much. <laughs> <laughs> he's, such, he's such a... His life is a soap opera. We don't sign for IX. No. <laughs> he was not, but he was, he was, he was solid, man. He, he helped out, and he was part of uh, a friend of his. So you even asked before, and I didn't answer that. Yeah. But how did, did my father hustle to try to get you the tryout? My father was a waiter in New York for, you know, affluent Italian restaurants, Cipriani and okay. different places in okay. New York, manager. Sure. Um, so there would be guys that came into the restaurant and, and through overhearing or just conversing with them, hey, you know, yeah, I have a son that plays soccer over here. Right. Oh, really? Yeah, my friend is an agent in, in Holland, you yeah. know. Oh, really? Well, you got a DVD? Yeah, let me get the DVD. And these guys, um, Pier Giovanni, he would be in the pickup game in uh, in Chinatown, that field that we were speaking about off pod uh, mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. And... Um, basically that there was an Italian group over here that, that had connections with Europe and that DVD got sent to Giuseppe. He saw it and then all that. Old happened. school, do like a wow, mixtape. Right? DVD, exactly. yeah. Back in the day, there was no YouTube links, nothing like that, bro. 
And um, it was the beginning of that, actually. It was like, oh, you have a video? You have a video? I'm like, wow, yeah. you got a video? Oh. Literally, my dad used to come to games with the uh, mini DV cameras, and then you had to get that. That's what I'm saying, man. Like you needed a, a dad that was involved yeah, yeah. to an extent. They, they do it, man. They do it. Uh, and and you go to a studio. And and sometimes you have, the, you have the dad, but you don't have the kids. And the dad right. looks like a psycho, you know? <laughs> <laughs> the fucking kid who sucks. Exactly. And his dad who's like filled it. Up. Totally it's always funny. They always had the best cameras, the worst kids. You're like, come on. <laughs> Fuck. So, yeah, that's the problem with hockey, by the way, is you uh, do have a lot of rich dads who will just kind of like just try to buy talent, you know? Right. Just, we'll just put you in power skating. We'll try to buy your way into this team. We'll buy the fucking team bus. We just got to get you to, got to get you in. That happens a lot in hockey, you know? Yeah. Um, football, I feel like there's just less of an opportunity to, I'm mean, sure it exists. I'm sure it happens in, in fuck, every country for sure, totally. uh, wherever possible. But, but, but yeah, it, just, it feels like there's less uh, space for it. Right. Okay. So, so I'm, I signed with Sampdoria and I signed with the, Primavera, which is the U20. Sure. I'm practicing. I'm, I'm, you know, fighting for my spot. And every, let's say, Thursday, there was a friendly game between the first team and the Allievi Nazionale, which is the U16 team. Mm -hmm. So the first team does this friendly game to just run through tactics. Oh, we're playing Roma. Roma plays a 4-3-3. So we'll get the Allievi in the 4-3-3, and we'll start doing our patterns to see how it'll work against a 4-3-3. The and first team is playing the Allievi, and the Primavera is just not... It's not even involved. They're, 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 they're not even there. So they would call Because me. the Primavera, too, they know that they're exactly. too, they're they're vying for a place. Right. They need a sparring partner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sparring you, partner use them as, as, as cones, almost, totally. pylons. Well said. Tactical. Okay. So... The first, the Primavera coach would say to me, like, hey, go play with the Alievi against the first team today. I was like, all right, cool, sounds good. So, similar to when I was playing for Dusk and playing against Gachi, the first team would kick the Alievi's ass 7 2, mm -hmm. and I scored two goals. And so, you were playing with the Alievi? Playing with the Alievi against the first team of Sampdoria. So, so, you, so, so you would get those goals? I would get those goals, me but, personally. But you're. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry, but you're you're 18 playing with the under 16s. 17 years old playing with the other 16. So it was literally, in my opinion, the Sampdoria coach was like, "Let's show, let's show the first team coach this new guy." Yeah, no, I, I from New York. Okay. There was press about yeah, me, yeah. okay, know, a New York okay. player, this and that. Wasn't no, no, it is a thing. You know, sometimes a guy gets sent to the U23s yeah, and he's 30. Yeah. I know it happens, but right. just, okay, just to be clear, right. right. So just, yeah, but that was just, just for like that day type of thing. Okay, okay. So that happened, and then okay, cool come back, train with the Primavera, start playing games with the Primavera, score some goals, making a name for myself. Next week, Alievi goes to play the friendly game against the first team again. 5-1, I score again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then the third week it happens, and I scored again on the third week, and the first team coach, Novellino, just came up to me after that and said, hey, ragazzino, domani alini con noi. And that basically means, hey, little yeah, boy crazy. or younger, youngin. Tomorrow you're training with us, and from that day on, wow. I was training with the first team. That's crazy, yeah. Exactly, yes. just like that. That's and awesome. and the fucking guys that were on the Primavera were pissed off. They're like, dude, I've been in Sampdoria for like ten years. This uh, fucking guy comes from New York and is already getting pushed. I've up heard a lot team. of fucking stories of guys who've played for like a Sicilian team in like Eccellenza or like Serie D, and you know, in like the youth setup. Same same type of situation at a lower level, I guess. But they got an opportunity, got an in. They're like a Canadian Italian playing over there, right. and they're fucking. I just heard horror stories about just, just the jealousy and the the totally. exclusion that mm -hmm. the Italians have for. Because oh, for them, I mean, it's just kind of. Yo, you're, you're a guy that's gonna take their job. Yeah, mm -hmm. sure, but it's also, I don't know. You wonder if there is a. You wonder if they can all be as hungry. There are guys who are good enough who do wind up making it, mm -hmm. but a lot of them don't. Right. You're playing for the fucking. You know, you're playing for the youth team of Genova or Genoa. Uh, Genoa, that's a weird example because it's actually in the city of Genoa. Like, let's take another. You're playing the youth team of Udinese. You're 15. You think, great, I'm I'm on the path mm. to doing it. But you know, maybe two guys wind up playing for the you know the first team. Maybe oh, one yeah. does. 
couple of them wind up playing City of G, City of B, and a lot of them just wind up, you know, bagging groceries or just or just stop, you know, going to school and becoming accountants, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's funny because you wonder if it's because it, for them it's not as big a deal. You're there for the thing, whereas they're still living at home. And That's a good point. It's part of, yeah, people, you know, some of the best kids play for pro teams here. That sounds very cool to you and I and Alex, but 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 to them it's, yeah, of course we are. You know, we're just, right. we're we're not made it. We haven't made it yet. We're just, we're in the youth team. It's what we do. I, you know, I wonder if it almost makes you uh, complacent, you know. You have to be very, right. very, very mm. conscious, right? Anytime you... Anytime you do a thing, you can't, you can't, you can't point. let up. You that is to. a very good point because it's like you're 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 new to this, right? Like I'm new, I'm fresh in that scenario, and I I don't have the the background. I knew who Sampdoria was, like I knew the team, I knew that Ortega played there. I would watch them on Rai back in the day, and but I didn't know much, you know. So sure. it's kind of like this this blank canvas gives you a feeling of like you don't know much, but you kind of like don't give a fuck either, and that's a yeah. good thing to yeah, to, to, yeah. to encounter to, to to sorry to to you know embark on a new mission you mm -hmm. know i used to even think when i was in when i was in italy and these guys would talk tactics before games like my italian i didn't know how to speak italian when i got there mm -hmm. i understood it so these guys are talking tactics ah, baby, fari, quel, blah, 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 and i'm like dude i don't know what the fuck these guys are saying but it didn't matter because when i played i just balled without having that that thought and it was right. actually better then i started learning italian and understanding what the coaches wanted and like slowly i was like losing my game because i wanted to fulfill like i wanted to make coach happy that's do the tactical that's interesting. work and then i'm like losing my essence so in a way sometimes that ignorance is bliss that saying well and even in soccer i feel like sometimes you know to a certain extent because if you're not fulfilling your duties tactically the guy's gonna put you on the bench and that's it so, yeah, yeah but also yeah but you also do hear stories about coaches coaching or you know i don't know just, just overdoing it or, or just just not getting the bet it's not getting the best of a good player and why that is is for a reason that you're citing mm. You know, yeah, exactly. maybe, maybe you're not letting him be himself. True. That was why Zidane got a lot of praise at Madrid. He was like, you know what? Yeah, I was a I, I was a guy who just had it. I understand that there's a couple of guys like that on this team. Maybe no one at my level in midfield, particularly maybe Modric. I don't know, but but you let him do you let him do their thing. They're here for a reason. Exactly. They're in Madrid for a reason. We don't have to fucking over. You know, right. you don't have to over. Um, don't overthink. You, you have to micromanage, I guess. Right. There does seem to be a lot of micromanagement in Italian football, in particular, given like the uh, the desire to have you do a certain thing a certain way how would you describe like the um the cerebral nature of italian football like in coaching overall then um that's a very good question um i think that italians are probably some of the best coaches in the world but at the same time there's a there's a bit of um what you just said was was on the on the money in terms of like the micromanaging and the and the the seeking perfection to a point where it can become destructive and 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 also right. offensively because let's say defensively Italy is is a reference to me or was a reference because we haven't qualified to two World Cups so I can't say that Italian soccer is flourishing as of late but you know I feel like offensively is where they they lack a bit of. Uh, of hot sauce, you know what I mean, in terms of what they offer. Like, how are you? How are you getting your team to play uh, a goal-scoring football? And now, I think in the last maybe seven years, Serie A has picked up their goal-scoring uh, ratio in terms of what it was before. But I think that you know the Italian coaches are top-notch, but I think their their limitations sometimes could be the the offensive game, but um, the the motivational aspect and the the way that they can form and solidify a group like. I've had guys that played under Conte, for example, who was in Tottenham, right, not too sure, long ago. Sure, And they said that he was the best coach that they've had. And he was coaching in Arezzo, in the second division right. in Italy at that moment. And it's like there's guys that, that are able to, 
to create an idea and execute that idea everywhere they go. Some people are just better at a exactly. thing. Exactly. Desert now. Desert now is a reference. That guy is, is doing I was actually going to bring him up because the funny thing about him is, you know, it's got to be it's got to be crazy when, you know, you're not at a Premier League side with a ton of, you know, the backing and budget and at one point he had to have started out somewhere. And that's interesting, in Foggia, you know. And, and that's where I played as well in the 3rd Division in Foggia. And not at the same time. Right. But, go ahead, continue, sorry. No, but just just it's it's um I guess you don't know who you're getting. Like Sarri wound up becoming a very respected like thinker and and um, you know coach who wound up managing three massive like clubs, four Lazio. But um, you know, at, at one point he was with Empoli, and you wonder how it's like. How seriously do you take him? Some you, you kind of have to respect the coach, but you you do totally have to kind of trust him and buy in. But sometimes it just doesn't work out, and you see that all the time. A guy. You know, takes over at newly promoted Lecce, you know, uh, who who've been struggling in Serie A. So he's fucking, you know, he, he's tasked with trying to get the team to win games, but he has these ideas and he wants to mm. to implement them. But he's, you know, he's he's got a cast of characters who, you know, are struggling for a reason, right? Yeah. Lower budget team, less experience. They're not like a full on Serie A team, you know, to the extent that some of the higher level teams are. So. It, 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 it doesn't last long, you know. Maybe the players never buy in, you know. Uh, it's just it's 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 interesting, right? Because they can't all be, they can't all be, you know, top tier. But a lot of them, I think, do have ideas, and I think that kind of makes it complicated sometimes for teams to buy into. And I think that's when we see guys, like uh, you know, fail and and get and get fired often very quickly, sure. and then brought back in for some odd reason, right? There's Weird. like this. You you sit you sell you resell the vision mm. to a, to the same guy sometimes. And is that like? And then I started questioning that. That happens everywhere, pretty much. Like there's like all a, over a, Italy. But then I say, is that because there's just a lack of other new faces? You know what I mean? Is there lot? Is that is there not a lot? Uh, not enough fresh coaches or young coaches, or is there for young coaches and they're just not given the opportunities? And is it just like a little click of you mm. know the big boys that are the big coaches? And it's like. There's a little merry-go-round of coaches, and these are the guys that are the big names, and that's it. And I think it has a little bit to do with that. Sometimes it's very clicky, very, you know, are you in the, 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 the you know, ex-player realm and whatnot, and these guys always have a, a priority and stuff. But the the lack of patience with coaches is something that is astonishing to me. In even even Roberto Baggio had, like, an issue, I think, with Saki in the 90s. Like, they, they, they kind of clashed. I think it's because they were two, like, you know, alphas in, in – in uh, you know a uh, high stress situation, and um, I, I think having creative differences is normal. Trying to work around them is, is a thing that a, a great coach should do. And, and yeah. Saki did, you know. To be fair, I mean, they were a few kicks away from winning a World Cup, but but sure. yeah, I, I I wonder I wonder how much of the uh, wanting you to play a certain way and not kind of let them fucking be. Uh, or the the lack of a the la the lack of a let them fucking be type of attitude uh, actually is maybe um, I'm realizing you know just kind of looking at things from like a like a wider lens. I wonder if maybe that's a reason why one of the big, like one of the larger issues in Italian football is currently uh, you know uh, um, mm -hmm. around why why we're facing this issue, which is that you know a lot of young players who are talented. It's not that we don't produce players; they, they do, but but they are often not given opportunities. I think it's because of lack of trust from the coach. One hundred percent. And it's like you know. Why would I trust him when I have this other guy who's going to do exactly? He's twenty. He's twenty-eight. You know, he's twenty-eight. He's just more. He's more mature. He, he's less. He's less. Uh, you know, he's less idealistic. He, he, 
maybe he's not as as, as talented, but he he does what I think I need wow. to win. Because I I'm a coach who wants to get a longer term contract. I want to survive this year. Maybe you're just trying to buy time as a coach. I, yeah, I just got to get to next year. You know, mm-hmm. we need to win. This is fucking top level football. There's pressure from the town. We we. I can't give the 17-year-old a chance. Exactly. You, know, you know what I'm saying? No, that's exactly it. You you were totally right because they're in it for like you, the quick fix. You think so? You, you no, think no, it's, you're, you're, you're right. Like yeah. it makes sense, yeah. but yeah, I don't know. Like in Colombia, I don't know how much, I don't know how tuned oh, in you are, Alex, that's to a lot of politics Colombian too. football. But I think it's in there. I'm, sure, I'm sure there is. Like, if you don't play this guy, we'll get yeah, yeah. I mean, historically, that's been a thing, especially Honestly, in the it's 90s. it's like that in a lot of, that's just with soccer though. It's things like that in comedy and this. There's a lot of different ways where, you know, certain people you know, stick to what's not safe, but in a way, absolutely, a hundred percent. Yeah, you're a club owner too. I know you're not a booker, but you yeah. know, St. Mark's, you probably, you know, you see it, right? This guy's a bit of a rogue. This guy's yeah. a bit rogue. I don't know if we're gonna throw him up. He might tell the audience to go fuck himself. You know, like we're every, a business at the end. All of the, the day. comics love Patrice O'Neill, but you know, sometimes he might, you know, he would. Yeah. There's this one story that Bill Burr was talking about. They were doing a PETA event, and he went up and started talking about how he cooked a puppy for breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> so the comics are all happy, and it's yeah. fun in hindsight. But at the time, if you're like the organizer of that yeah. event, we can't have this guy. Yeah, back I'll never have him again. You know what I'm saying? So I, I'm. You're you're right. But but yeah, I wonder if like the stakes in Colombia are lower. I'm sure you know in the respective towns they give a lot of a shit. But it's like, what other options do they have? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Hey, there's a guy who's so talented. You got to throw James Rodriguez to them. Maybe he's a bad example because he's like you know he was obscenely talented. Um, but you know there there are young players in any academy and any infrastructure who are probably good enough to maybe be given a shot. And then you, yeah, I'm that does tend to happen more in South America. I'm wondering if it's more of like you're trying to like more of an Italian thing, or is that just kind of. Multiple I, countries kind of deal with that same issue. I'm sure others do, but I think in Italy, because of the um, the footballing culture and the coaching culture and the, uh, the 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 desire to to think about it very philosophically and very you know very yeah. uh, in depth, I don't you that, breeds this thing where you demand X, Y, or Z, and you do or don't trust young players. As a result, I kind of cut you off, you know, before you you you, you were you you seem to agree with the uh, the assessment. It's yeah. a theory. No, and, and like and you have to see it as like who's the buyer and who's the seller in terms of players, yeah. right? Like South American countries, Colombia, Brazil, Argentina, they're the seller. Yeah. So they want to promote young players because they know damn well that a it's European fucking team is business model. finance right. their whole yeah. program for the next 10 years if they sell one player. So they're right. in, they're, that's their incentive is to get an Endrick who's 16 years old to play on Palmeiras to get bought by Real Madrid or Valent- uh, if, you, if you see he's good, you just you know there's this there's this culture of it as well. We just we, you know there have been these phenomenon these there have been these phenoms before. We've had no choice but to bring them through and we've sold them. Oh, well, we know that works. Let's keep doing that. This guy's exactly. showing promise. Bring him in. And even the ones that aren't phenoms but that are just good players, they will not hesitate to put them into play sure. because they know that that's their their money maker. Whereas in Italy. They're the buyer. So yeah. they're not looking at the youth system and saying that same thing. They're not saying, ooh, who's the 17-year-old uh, Italian kid that we're going to sell to mm. Newcastle? No, they're literally saying, who's the 17 Brazilian that we're going to buy to be the star here? Right, or right. And, and and also, that's one part, and as well as the fact that you mentioned about the coaches relying on the tactics and not trusting young players. It's like, dude, this guy is, a, is not as talented, but he's reliable. I know that he will give me this, this, and that, and the young guy probably won't. And... They've done that for like 20 years. They neglected the youth for so long where sure, it's sure. like that's what's going to happen. You're not going to qualify the two World Cups. Yeah, I mean, again, like I just think the path is just a little longer for some of those guys. Like there are talented Italian players that you see playing for the U20 team who do wind up playing for the senior team. Like Fratesi is a good example. I think he captained the U20 team. Scalvini is a new prospect. That's Sc- Sc- Scalvini's player. getting opportunities, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And you, he's one of he's one of a few. You know, right. he's 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 kind of on his own. There aren't a ton. They're slowly. Yeah. It. Because it's like, well, what do you have to lose now? You've already hit rock bottom. Now you have to do that. Yeah, yeah. but but again, like I don't know that I don't know that Gasparini's like giving him a chance at Atalanta because he you know he's seeing the larger you know meta issues in Italian football. I think he's just doing it because he, he's he, a, he's a solid. Player. Yeah, yeah. He could, he could make the there there just aren't a ton of guys True. like him. You don't see it a lot. I'm saying it just takes longer. Like Fratesi's now playing for Inter and he, he's twenty. He'll be twenty five yeah, this year. That's you know? a good point. Because next year, he's like it's like when are you a rookie, right? It's like yeah. In certain countries, they say, oh, we're playing the young player, and it's a 17-year-old. You're like, yeah, that is a young player. And in Italy, he's Jovan, and they're 21. like 22, 23. And sure. you're like, dude, that guy is is in another country. He's already a seasoned vet. You know what I mean? Right, right. And and in the case of some players who are just so good, you can't ignore them. Like Balotelli had done a lot by 23. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, he was a good example of you know of, of a feat. I think you could say. Him a good amount of time. Did you? Yeah. That's interesting. But, but, but I get so, but... It's like unless you're that good, it's hard to kind of justify it. It's easy to make excuses as to why you shouldn't play the kid. When did you play against Balotelli in particular? So back to Sampdoria, yeah. I, I get I get called up to the first team and I start going to games on the bench for the first team. First game, I think it was against Empoli in Empoli Stadium. Yeah. Six months ago, I'm over there playing with Alex and Pier Forty. Then I'm now I'm in Serie A bench, <laughs> so I'm like, dude, this shit goes fast. That's crazy. Blink of an By eye. the way, we were we were in New York, like yo, yeah. like we were all like, yeah. and then he would visit during the holidays. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I remember. And I would play when we I would come to yeah. visit in the holiday as well. And um, so basically, could you I, could you smoke yeah. weed because of or could you not because of drug testing? It's not. Uh, it's I could not because of, of drug testing. It's, but it's, there's always ways around. Yeah. yeah. But did he stop? <laughs> <laughs> but um, but at that moment I wasn't smoking. I wasn't doing anything. Yeah. I was a, a law-abiding citizen. Sure. And uh, and um, so basically I would get called up to the Primavera games only, but I would practice with the first team, go to the bench with the first team. So I was like, hot shit, bro. I was like, yeah, I'll go with the Primavera games to help you guys out. And in the Primavera, it reaches the fase finale, which is the playoffs. Right. And at that moment, you're playing against, you know, Juventus, Atalanta, Jovinko is in Juventus. Sure. Uh, yeah, he's a year older than yes, you. That's correct, 1987. Balotelli's younger than you. He's two he's years younger than you, but you would have played. Yeah, but he was playing in the Primavera already two, three years younger. So at, that, Inter at Inter at the time? Exactly. Okay. So Jovinko is another guy that I'll say that he's one of the best players I've played against in terms of like youth and whatnot. That guy was a phenom, dude. And I'm surprised he didn't get enough. That's an example of an Italian player that was young. Had a tons of talent and was just never given a, a fair break. He played, you know, he got like twenty caps. He wound up, you know, he played for Juve for a little while and just, you know, he, he made big money in Toronto and took sure. it. He might have had more to give for another side. Right. You know, he gave a lot of his really good prime years to, uh, you know, to MLS. And right. I, I don't think he regrets it. He, he enjoys true. Toronto. I think he still lives there. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got their own fucking path. You know, he was a little guy. It's a little. It's always challenging. Great player though. Great player. And and that fase finale, it was Sampdoria against Inter in the final, which. Had Balotelli in that final, and uh, Bonucci was defending me in that game. No oh, shit. Defender there. Fuck. And they won 1-0 off a doubtful-ass penalty, bro. They fucking robbed us that game. So they won that final. Balotelli played in that final. And um, the year after, uh, we went to the finals again, mm-hmm. and we played against Inter, and we beat Inter, and Balotelli was also in that's that final. Very, that's so very cool. We had a very good Primavera team in Sampdoria, probably the best in their history like to make it. We won Coppa Italia. We played against Atalanta. Who else was a part of that team? Any, anyone in else? Sampdoria? Who, yeah, anyone Believe else? Believe it or not, um, there was uh, Andrea Polli, who played in, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. in Milan. He was like one of the guys... Uh, Fiorillo, who's a goalkeeper who bounced around in Pescara in the second division. Mm. Um, Vladimir Koman, who's another guy who played in, like, you know, first division in different countries. But they didn't give us a chance. We won everything to win in the youth setup. 
and not one guy from the youth team was pushed up to the first team Damn. and kind of like, That's okay, weird. we're going to use this. You know, we have a great group here. Let's get three or four players like maybe some yeah. teams do. And a team like Sampdoria doesn't have the luxury of buying big names and whatnot. So you would think that they would do something like that, but not at all. And you never got a chance, right? They I loaned got, you out a lot. I got. I played in uh, Coppa Italia against Inter in San Siro uh, for about 20 minutes, I'd say. And that was... Uh, lovely experience like you know you, you turn around you got walter samuel defending you, you got bordiso on the other side you got zanetti sure. over there and that's just like a pinch yourself moment like damn this shit is is, is real right now yeah so then other times i was on the bench and i wasn't going in games i was about to go into a game against ac milan ref blew the damn whistle and finished the game so uh -huh. like i kind of had to say what's up to Ancelotti and just uh, go back into the locker room. You know what I mean? But then you I saw Kaka, no? I saw Kaka as well there. I changed jerseys with him. Sweetheart, very, very religious, very. Uh, hey, you said you said he kind of he's he like he's he like was, we're he gonna pray in a circle. We're gonna form a prayer circle. Yeah, he was Come. like, oh, Deus abençoe you, so caminho. Like God bless you in your path. And yo, to Jeez. be real, he was super nice, man. Like on some genuine shit. Yeah, a so. lot of Brazilians talk like Muslims. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like just in the middle for, of, with the cross. It's like, it's like may 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 like may the peace, glory, and love of of God be upon you. It's like whoa, yeah, Jesus, very we very intense. intense. The Brazilians are either one extreme or the other, They're either super religious or super wild and, and party, <laughs> having orgies. Yeah, I mean, so lawsuits. <laughs> <laughs> so lost your prison. So so um so so you bounced around where this so Foggia, Arezzo oh, yeah. and No no I go to as soon as I leave Sampdoria I go to Perugia. Okay. Which was in City. Good team, big Good city. Team. Good team, big city, nice city, university city. Hello. Temptation comes, start. That's where the, the temptation <laughs> right. starts going, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you got and I lived in the center as well. I lived like in a cool medieval like a loft, you know what I mean? It's a cool like, city, yeah, yeah. It's a cool city. No, I know. No, I've, I've never, I've never walked around cute. it. It's like it reminds you, like almost like a feudal setup, like the the the, the city centers on the top of a hill kind of thing with like a fort. Yeah, yeah one it's of those. Super cool. And um, well, geographically, yeah, it's that that right. part of the the country. Right. I, yeah. Abruzzo, I think. No, what is that? Uh, Umbria. Umbria. I think. Yeah. Good. No, um, but like you know, there are cities there, old cities right. like like that, and exactly. Siena, Urbino, like the, the, these old towns that, oh. uh, yeah. So I go with that cool to, medieval flair to them. Exactly. So I go on to Perugia, and these are teams that were in Serie A. So you you catching them when they're in Serie C, and the fans are kind of like you know living off the glory days in the past. So you're like, mm. yo man. Who are you? You know what I mean? Like, we, we, we remember having Materazzi, Nakata, uh, right. Gattuso on our team. The fuck is this Ferrari guy over yeah. there? You know what I mean? But I had, a, I had a good stint there. I was a young guy. And, you know, that's where Sarri was my coach as well. He, he, he actually was one of those guys that you mentioned. He was there in the beginning, got fired, and then came back. How did that happen? What's the reaction? Okay, this is interesting. What's it like to be playing for a club in Italy where the coach gets fired and rehired in the same season? You, you start realizing it's a shit show. Like, you start Damn. looking at your president like, the fuck are you doing, bro? Like, what, uh, like, what are we doing here? Like, what is this, like, merry-go-round happening? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? You as a player, you'll, you'll accept whoever your coach is. But then when you start seeing the same face come back, you're like, what you know what i mean so you realize that there's there's weird things like going on yeah. that you have no idea about but sari at that moment there was no sari ball it, he, he kind of adapted to what he had he was in the Serie chi team so he didn't it, it wasn't that football that you saw in chelsea or in napoli when he was there it was a pragmatic 4-4-2 you know and the guy was a wild character in terms of like his his philosophy i kind of respect the shit out of him to be honest because this guy gave two fucks about anybody. He would smoke his cigarettes. He had communist views in a moment where, like, nobody gave a shit about, you know, communists. He came up to me the first day I met him. He was like, oh, Ferrari. S literally his words. 
Estavo zborrando quando são cadute eleitores gemelli. I was coming in my pants when the Twin Towers fell. What the like, fuck? Exactly. That was my reaction. I was like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. I was like, yo, I'm from New York and like 2,000 people died that moment. Yeah. So I don't know what the fuck you're talking yeah. about. And he realized I didn't like what he said because I took it as like a New Yorker, like you're offending my fucking yeah. city type of thing. And then he was like, no, no, pero que capitalisti di merda, those capitalists. And then I started realizing he had an underlying political right. meaning for that, which at the moment I wasn't too, you know, keen on, on politics at 17. But looking back at it, I was like, oh, maybe this motherfucker was onto something. Right, you know right, what I mean? Right. So, so that was something that he said to me already there. I was like, dude, this guy's quite different. I know. He, he just, he, he was, he wasn't, you know, oh, fuck. How do you say inside he job in Italian? How is that? I don't know. It's an inside job. I'm just curious. Like, Wait, if... Uma, 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 uma? No, that's something like under the table, like where we don't talk about that kind of mm. thing. But inside job, that's actually, I'm trying to think about the phrase, the inside job. And... Propaganda due. I'd love to hear that in Italian. I don't know, dude. I, I just, I love how he wasn't even accusing it of being an inside job. He was just saying, good. Yeah, exactly. Good. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't like, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't like, you know, uh, I thought they deserved it. He wasn't telling you George Bush is full of shit. No, no. He was like, good. Yeah. Infrastructure falling. Right, right, right. <laughs> But he's from that part of the that part of the country. He's, he grew he's up in Tuscany. Toscano, exactly. Very, very communist. Dude. Yeah. Livorno, very mm -hmm. communist. Yeah. Is he from Livorno? I'm not sure exactly if he's from Livorno, but he is from Tos uh, he is from Tosca. And also Mazzari was Toscano. They had this weird ha 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 la. Yeah, it's kind of yeah, like yeah. we're talking. Every accent in Italy is uh, or dialect in Italy is pretty right. pretty interesting. But of that course. one in particular, I'm like, yo, bro, you're forcing it right now. Like you could pronounce a C. It doesn't make <laughs> it. You yeah. don't have to go ha 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 la. You yeah. can just say <laughs> the goddamn C. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. But th that that moment in Sampdoria was cool, man. Because at, at 18, also, like I, I'm in the locker room. Uh, sorry, I'm in the the gym, right? And certain moments, oh, I got a little knack, a little you know hamstring thing. So you go to the gym and you work out. And when I go to the gym and I'm seeing this dude with long hair with a beard, I'm like who the fuck is this guy? He doesn't play. He's not on the roster. And then they're like, ah, quello Gaddafi. I'm like, oh, Gaddafi. I'm like, yo, I heard that name Gaddafi before on. Wasn't his? Yeah, his son was a player, right? There you go. That's him. So fuck. he he was training in Sampdoria when I arrived. And he was training there because why? Because the owner of Sampdoria was uh, Garrone, which was the owner of Erg, which is a gas station, petroleum money, mm, you know what I mean? Right. So there was a connection there with some, you know, oil money with Gaddafi's father, right? I thought he played at Perugia at one he point. He was in Perugia before. Well, you, you know your, your, your stuff. But he I didn't realize, before, yeah. Which, ironically, I went to Perugia after, but he was in Perugia before. So he would kind of do this thing where he would, you know, some way pay or some somehow get his way into the, the teams and... He wanted to live the soccer player It's like life. a make-a-wish kid. Exactly. How yeah. was he? He would be a good pickup player. You know what I'm saying? Okay. We, 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 he would be, we would allow him to play in our pickup game. Pure 40. Pure, right, 40. Cool. pure 40. Yeah. That's pretty much it, bro. Wow, <laughs> but, really? But he, he, he was like, you know, he would barely come into practice. Like the last 20 minutes of a practice, Novellino would be like, Vai, chiama Gaddafi per entrare. Vai, vai, call, <laughs> chiama lì. And he'd be like, yeah, let him play. And then when he would play, he'd be fucking like, wow, kind of like, uh, like kind of like uh, gassing him up. Like, oh, yeah. man, look at that move. This, that. And everybody would be like, <laughs> yeah. you know, kind of fucking around. Why? Because this guy also was like very generous. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. The, in Perugia, when he was there, he bought a smart car for each of the players in the locker room. Just showed up one day. It was like the little mini car smart. Yeah. And um, and all the players got one. And the president, I think Renato Curi, I believe was his name in Perugia at the moment, was like, "Yo, bro, you got to take all these cars and give these shits back. Like, we can't we can't accept this. This is a conflict of interest. You can't have a player or a guy who's playing give presents to the players like this. So right. he would like show up and give Rolexes to players and stuff wow. like that. So I'm in the the gym right now and what and whatnot. And he he sees me. He's like, "Oh, where are you from? Where are you from? I'm like, oh, I'm from New York. He's like, no, you're from New York. I was like, yeah, bro, I'm from New York City. He's like. Man, that's and he was super infatuated with me, bro. Like he was, <laughs> his eyes grew like 
I guess because he wasn't in contact with many people from New York or in the United States because Libya had bad right. relations with sure, sure. I was like a New Yorker that just dropped right in front of him. I had my style, my 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 way, my urban, you know, way of being that intrigued them. So this guy was inviting me all the time to That's parties, high. to the hotel, come through, we're about to do this, about to do that. I was like, fuck it, let's do this shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Let's go out, blah, blah, and blah. He had money. Exactly. This motherfucker never gave me anything, dude. Like, ah. he, he literally asked me one day, he was like, uh, so Jibriel, uh, if, if there's a car you like, which, which car do you like? I was like, fucking G-Wagon. That's what I would like. You know what I mean? That's a car. Like, if I had the money, I would buy. He was like, all right. I was like, waiting. I was like, when does this guy come with my <laughs> G-Wagon? Never. Then, you know what I mean? You still talk to him? No, I don't. But is he still alive? Is he in jail he was, somewhere? He was in jail. He was a prisoner of war in, in Niger. Um, we're not getting canceled for that either. Yeah, yeah. That's just, <laughs> I, I, I worked how, on how, that pronunciation. That'd be the three strikes right there. <laughs> so um, he was a prisoner of war there after, obviously, you know, Hillary Clinton and the gang nuke, uh, bombed his pops, you know, over there in Libya. But, um, yeah, we would go out and stuff like that. And and, and he was the, – the, the players would kind of tell me, like, yo, Gabe, watch out, bro. This guy's funky. I was like, what you mean he's funky? I was like, this guy, he might, you know, he might like men as well. And I was like, oh, okay, interesting. This is like something I didn't know. So one day we're in his. They're like, yo, I want that G Wagon. Yeah, no, exactly. so, <laughs> no, but one day we're coming back from a night out. You know, we would go to these clubs in Milan. We would go to places in, you know, different I must have been clubs. Sad. It was cool, man. This guy would have the fucking, these big ass bottles. Like in my club days, you know, when superficiality was at its top and my ego was being, you know, sure. You know, but that yeah, was, sure, that was sure. pretty cool. And, um, and then when they were going back and he's like, fucking drunk i'm drunk and we're in the escalade and it's me him and this other old guy he used to have like a, a team of interesting people like a, a woman from norway there that was just there to talk uh an old timer from italy a young new yorker and he had his ensemble of people that an, old time, an old time uh, from it who's the old timer from italy i don't even know bro but he was he was an interesting character let's just put it like that just some guy from the paese no guy that the affluent people affluent, oh okay totally affluent people all, all right that would, sure you know there's nobody in Gaddafi's car if you're not there for a reason sure kind of sure and i was just the, the random kid from new york that was there you know and then this guy is like you know he's like oh Gabriel, you're my brother you're my brother Gabriel. and i'm like yeah right. his brother's cool yeah yeah and then he tries to come at me with the uh the good old godfather kiss on the cheeks but then the godfather kiss on the cheeks became an attempt to kiss on the and i was like oh no way fuck, I'm and fuck. He's like, no Gabriel. What you you think I and I was like I don't know what I think or anything I'm just saying I don't want to kiss your ass bro like that's all it is you know what yeah. I mean and he got super offended was like no you don't understand this is a love brotherhood you know this and that. I was like whatever bro I don't want to uh, like you're, you're not my type side yeah, you know what exactly I mean? that's like the opposite of what uh, what what people might think would happen you know yeah. they would they would think you know in the Middle East they'd be like we're men we're we're real men and that 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 queer from America tried to he tried yeah. to kiss me but when you have everything like <laughs> and, he and he got he got incensed yeah. He's getting bored. Exactly. He's like, oh, try something new. That, exactly, man. These guys have all the women, anything they want at the snap of the <laughs> finger. So it's like, That's yeah. crazy. if I want to see what this this young New Yorker is all about, like they yeah. can do that, and they usually have no repercussions. So that was like the moment where I was like, we're not hanging out anymore. Uh, yeah, yeah. He probably he probably grew up and was like, <laughs> he was he was told he was instructed. You know, America's very it's a very haram place. They'll do anything. Yeah, yeah. You know, especially New York. Right. New York. Right. He thought he thought I was down maybe, but. Yeah. That's fucking nuts. So dude. that was an interesting thing. And that was a moment where I was like, dude, and there were some articles that came out at the Fuck. time, like, oh, a US player, friends with Gaddafi kind of thing. I, I had no 
my geopolitical knowledge was very limited at the time, so I didn't even know yeah. like the extent. You of You almost what. started a proxy war. Yeah, exactly, dude. <laughs> but that was uh. You imagine? You imagine if you would like just killed Gaddafi's son, <laughs> right. just an American, just or something, you know, like, no. or he had died in your presence. That would have been. I would have probably been assassinated just for sheer. Just no, I'd like, be mean, probably not. Just you would have dragged him. Oh. You would have dragged America into oh, a war. With I would have been a hero in America, maybe. Oh my god! Mean? Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. So that was one one kind of thing. That's that, a crazy story. Yeah, that is. And then, yeah, so that's the trajectory. Sampdoria, then Perugia. And then you go from these teams, and these fucking presidents aren't paying you. They're very result-based. Like, oh, you lost three games in a row? Sure. Well, we ain't going to pay you this month's salaries. That, and you're right, like, right. wow, what the fuck's going on here? I'm a professional player, but, you know, my bank account's looking kind of uh, kind of slim. And uh, and then you talk to your age, and you're like, listen, man, things not happen over here. He's like, okay, we'll send you to Foggia. And Fudge is a pretty interesting place as well. I'm not sure if you know. It's close to Bari. It's right. a very, very, let's say, speaking, poor. Speaking of places that are hard to understand yeah, as well. Yeah. They say there's a saying called Fudge da Fudge. Non per Fudge, ma per i Fogiani. Sounds like, get Albanian. out of, yeah. Well, they, they have like, uh, it's not, well, the Adriatic Sea is What does that closer. mean? Get out of Fudge, but not because of Fudge, but because of, because of the Fogiano. So it's basically ah. saying like, the people here are fucking assholes and right. we're hard-headed and and like you better get out of here because you know we run shit here and and i did i stayed there for six months i played there and i was you got out i got out I'm because out. of the situations with the presidents not paying and whatnot and and i was getting playing time i was playing this was in city of chi like the fans were there but these were all struggles it was not the glory kind of professional soccer player Ooh, it's it's the story that not many people hear about right you know what's that, that like because like yeah, what's your what's your like what's your mentality at this point? Are you like I'm I'm over this, I'm done, or soon, or are you like maybe I can still? That's uh, that's and that goes back to like you know why did I stop playing so early, right? So, yeah, you start questioning, you know, is this really it? You know what I mean? Do I want to continue with this? Because you know, there's professional players and then there's professional players. There's guys that are making crazy money and then there's guys that aren't making that kind of money. And and at that point, you know what I mean? Like you start questioning what you're really doing and I had a good friend here in New York that was DJing here. I would come back to New York, literally. I would take a flight on a weekend, on a Friday night, come over here, DJ with my boy in the box. Yeah, and then crazy spot. Not bad at that time. Awesome. And then, um, and then I would go back to Italy. So my priorities were kind of like I was already like, yo, I could do other things. I could DJ with my boy. That's the problem. Yeah, you don't seem like a stupid guy, and sometimes that can hurt. You right. know, well, it's it, you have layers. You have layers. Yeah, well, you know they're. There are different there are different types of guys who can succeed. You can have the flawed guy who succeeds because he's you know very talented. Like like Ronaldinho had a great career despite you know being super flawed and barely ever working. Right, you um you know and then you have Ronaldo, a guy who's like fully all in on it. And I don't know that he's an idiot, but he doesn't really probably. I don't know how interesting a guy he'd be to talk to. He might because he's Ronaldo and because he's seen a lot of things and gone to parties and like you know interface with like you know highest high, you know. Right. High value people, whatever that is, you know, I don't know, just high net worth individuals right. and fucking, you know, but that's I'm sure, I'm sure he's fucked, you know, I'm sure that's all fun, but he doesn't seem like a guy who pays much mind to, mm -hmm. I don't know, like geopolitics, which is fine, you know, not all athletes have to. And then right. I, no. I almost get kind of like when 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 athletes want to have like a political stance or something like that. And I kind of like. I'm like, dude, like some people say, like, shut up and dribble a basketball or whatever. And I don't agree with that at all. But at some moments, you see that these guys don't even have the proper knowledge of what yeah, they're yeah, talking about. Right, it's like, right. if you're going to talk about it, you better know what well, that's, you're that's, that's, that's where that comes from. That's where that, like, idea exactly. that they, they ought to shut up talk exactly. comes from. Is because a lot of the time, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah Jesus. It's, right. it's not, not very well informed. You know, I, what you're doing is, is uh, yeah, 
You see people you see what you're doing, but it's not, you know, because you'll hear people, sorry, but you'll hear no, people no. talk it out and it's like, oh, this guy doesn't make any sense. Mm. But I mean, that's, that's a choice you're making, right? It's a line in the sand that you're drawing. It's just yeah. a question of whether or not you think it's a, you know, a smart move or not. Right. But, I, but being a smart guy and having interests in other things can, I, I don't know that it's that conducive to, uh, you know, doing you, this one thing at the top level. You're right. You know, it's, and, and you can still have a passion for football. You still fucking coach guys, right? You know, uh, it's it's just it's just a thing that you choose to occupy your your you know your bandwidth. So, 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 I was so, curious so. where at all does MLS ever because we never talk ever was popping in the back of your head. That's like, when. So that's a good question as well. Um, because so you were a U twenty national team national team player with the U S. and and it never you know because you I guess you, you know. You're, you were a younger guy, but you weren't playing it like you weren't. You never wound up playing like top flight for right. for a long period of time, right? Exactly. So I guess it just never quite quite happened. But you know, you make the jump to MLS, you think, fuck it, you know, yeah. maybe maybe there's an opportunity there, and then it could all it could have all you know gone right. differently for you. You're, you're intent on then. playing for the states, exactly. So yeah, so, so that that was actually like I per, I totally skipped that. I'm in Sampdoria, and I never played on any youth national team here in New York. I was kind of under the radar in a way, like to people that knew me, they were like, oh, this guy's good, but like in the grand scheme of things, I was not the superstar that everybody thought was going to be the guy making it. I was maybe the quiet guy that was sure. chipping away kind uh, of thing, uh -huh, you know? Uh -huh. And I got called up actually to the U20 Italian national team before getting called up to the United States. Mm. It was simultaneous. And that, because I, I have an Italian passport and sure. um, they called up, they called me up. So I literally had to choose between the United States and Italy. And another crossroad where I talked about Ajax and not going to Ajax, me maybe being a mistake. Well, a lot of the times I think even though I grew up here in New York and I had the image of playing for the U.S. national team, looking back, I think that it would have maybe been a better choice to play for Italy. But at that moment, the United States made it to the U-20 World Cup and Italy didn't. So I was like, oh, I have something in front of me that I could play in and maybe get called Use up for. Use as a showcase. Exactly. And, you know, Italy is a much better football nation at that time and still is. Um, so you say, <laughs> what are the chances of me, you know, breaking through in Italy? Mm. That's the thought. But then you say, where is there actually more knowledge of football and who's giving you the chance that you're you're having right now? It was Italian. So right. Yeah, chose, but, but you're not committing to anything, right? Like, it's it's even at that point, it's you, you're you're not... Uh, what's the expression in English? Fucking, it it it, it doesn't look. It, it, you speak French. We were speaking French before. Yeah. T'as pas tort. Tu n'as pas tort. Wait, it's not too late. Uh, like no, no, no. Like 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 you you're, you're, you're that Montreal accent, bro. My Montreal <laughs> accent. No, like no. It's it, it's you did well to kind of consider the pragmatism of the decision. Right. Okay. It wasn't stupid. You're not signing a contract. It's exactly, youth level. Exactly. That's that's kind of well the, the beauty of it, totally. right? You totally. might burn bridges. That's right, the issue. Right, right, right. But there was you might rub it. people the wrong way. But the, ultimately, the stakes weren't as high as they, like in sure. terms of like I get you. Yeah, you kind of have to do the thing that makes the most pragmatic sense right. at youth level. You see a lot of guys treat it like. Um, like a like a career decision. Right. Guys who bounce between Ireland and Scotland and England. True. You know, at that moment it was like if you choose, you can't go back type of thing. Now I think there's actually that like, you could be really youth, is that yeah, the, is that the feeling at the was. time? That what it was. It, it was like a FIFA rule that like if you choose a U20 and you play a game for a U20, that is your national team. So I didn't well, I, I think you. I think what would happen is you're you're registered under that, but then you could change affiliations at senior level until you've gotten capped in a competitive game. Maybe you're that's right. definitely the rule. But 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 it might have been yeah. But, but in 2007 though, maybe it was different. But I think you're right about that. It's like U20 and then it, in senior cap. Is yeah, but I'm not yet. But I'm not. I'm not well actually right. in you. I'm saying you're you're, you're yeah. right. From what I understand, from what I've been led to understand, I believe like you you, you can't just kind of. Of, you can't just by accepting a call paperwork is filed to fifa i right, think right, right right you're just registered as that and then right. yeah 
there's an affiliation switch that can be made, I think, at some point down the line. Right. But to, go, but to go back to what he was saying about the MLS, like, I grew up here and played for the Red Bulls youth team, and Alexi Lalas was the GM at that time, mm. and Savarese was also involved. Savarese, and, wow. Yeah, and... Um, and they never really kind of were like, dude, you know, we're, we're not project like they I was 16 at the time. I didn't expect them to say like, hey, you're going to look for a spot in the first team. I wasn't probably ready at the time. Michael Bradley was playing in the first team at that time under his father, Bob Bradley. And he was like getting that chance and whatnot as a 16 year old. Bob Bradley's Michael Bradley's dad. You didn't know that? Yeah. I had no clue. Yeah, bro. That's how he's, yo, he started in Red Bull. Metro stars at the time, I like never knew he's, that. he played in all the games when he was 16 years old. Makes total team. sense. Two bald fucks. Yeah, <laughs> bro, they look exactly yeah. like his dad now. Yeah, and um, I never knew that. Okay, so so the the Red Bull never gave me that love or like that feeling of like yeah we're 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 projecting you in our first team. So that was like all right, so I'll go to Europe then. And then at a moment when I saw that things weren't going right in in Europe after going to Foggia, I went to a team called Ternana. Same story with the turbulent locker room in terms of performances of, of the team and whatnot, but I was always playing in these teams, but I was not, I wasn't getting paid to be straight up. Yeah. Like I was getting paid yeah. like two months and then I wouldn't get paid three months. And then, you know, it was just a struggle and, and fans trying to beat you up after games type of thing because the team isn't going well. They're throwing rocks at the cars. Wow. You know? So that's like, you're living the, 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 you're in, in it. Yeah. You're the in ultra it. type shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I went to the second division in Switzerland. Is that when you left Italy? Yes. So, so what year is this now? How old this are you? This is in 2000 and I want to say 10. I am probably nine, 20 years old at the time. Sure. I got a different agent mm -hmm. who was not doing the right thing. <laughs> yes. I will call him out. Damn. Ulisse Savini. That guy is, uh, he actually writes sometimes for calciomercato.com and whatnot. He does some fishy business. It's a horrible publication. It is, right? There you go. It's garbage. So, exactly. Yeah. Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So, um, he he guided me towards Bellinzona, which was a second division team at that time, or first division. Near Milan. And then I went on loan to Volen, which is in the uh, German part of Switzerland, which is in the Challenge League in the second division. Uh -huh. Long story short, man, I realized that it was a completely funky transfer, a lot of e irregularities that I'm not going to get into details, but these guys were stealing money from me. Okay. Wow. And I basically made a phone call when I realized that was happening to my friend Sadi Busila, who's here from New York, Senegalese who had a player in the Red Bull, Buna Kundul, who was a goalkeeper, another family friend of ours. And I said, yo, Sadi, you got connections in the MLS, dude? Because I'm trying to get out of Europe because things aren't going well. He, he made a call to the Chicago Fire. said, Gabe, you're going to preseason with Chicago. I was like, sounds good. So I go to preseason with Get a Chicago contract Fire. in a place with antitrust. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And, um, and, I, and after the preseason, they signed me to the MLS contract in, in Chicago. So I played mm -hmm. in the MLS for a year. I I have uh, my opinion on, on U.S. soccer, on the MLS uh, growing up. I think it's extremely political. I, I don't have, like, the best words to say about it, to be honest with you. Like, I think the MLS— Especially 10 years ago. Yeah, exactly. Now I, I see things. They're, doing, they're do, taking steps in the right direction. Giuseppe Rossi, uh, basically—I mean, he took, a, he took a huge shit on it. Yeah. On his, he has this podcast that Chris Italia was telling me about. I listened to it. It's interesting. Um, he just started it, and um, anyway, he, he was talking about how he hated his time at Real Salt Lake just because, like, the, you know, the, he found the culture to be a little off-putting. Exactly, the culture. That's the word, man. The culture in, in, in the word everyone uses and everything is, is... Yeah. And when you live it How would you describe, like, compared clicky, to... Okay. Clicky, um, college -y, Very American. Kind oh, of, okay, like... Um, kind of like... like mean uh, Girls. Yes, sir. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. and, and in Europe, it was much more, like, uh, less bullshit, you know... 
your talent or your your performance will dictate where you belong and it was just like more eye to eye communication you know mm. what i mean and i thought here it was more like you know uh, what college did you go to oh yeah and then you know this guy oh because you were the political shit that we know happens and yeah. it, it, it it happens at a youth level and it happens at the pro level and we saw it right now in the world cup over there with this whole burhalter claudio reyna situation this little this local little yes, new jersey clicky thing yes. <laughs> just and, it, and it's a cancer some, some soccer mom cancer. shit that was hilarious dude it was just it, what was it again burhalter was the coach excluded Gio Reyna. Then the mom started throwing a hissy fit and, and basically was like, we're not riding on the bus with you guys uh, after a game oh or my, something. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. Really kind of like bullshit, you know what I mean? Stuff that shouldn't be involved in yeah, soccer. Yeah. And it, it kind of like the soccer mom and like, you know, bullshit uh, thing in American soccer, which happens in youth levels, translate to, to the professional level. At least when I was playing, I'm assuming that things have gotten way better now, you know, but I, I, I really see American soccer as something that, you know, has to to kind of humble up and really start taking pages from other countries that have done it the right way. And and it'll probably always be a little different. You know, the footballing culture in, in Brazil is very different to what it is in Italy. And it's just kind of what it is. I, I'm sure stuff, every, anything evolves over time and can evolve over time. But I think, you know, it probably evolves in the vacuum of like uh, of, of what the thing is, you know. We're talking before about like just stand up in Brazil, like like you know, you could take influence from other shit. But North American stand up is the best, right. absolutely, bar none. You know, stand up comedy in Brazil is like kind of up and coming, kind of you know, maybe like you know, yeah, soccer, yeah. soccer in the United States is, you know, and it's and it's gonna kind of grow into its own thing. It's gonna be influenced time, by time is the only thing yeah, but it's gonna be influenced. You know, in the case of stand up, it's gonna be influenced by the you know by the dialect and like the the, the tones and right. the con the social context down there. Totally. You know, the football is gonna be influenced by. Uh, you know the school system here and right. what high school is right. and and you know what, what club teams are, are are in place the fact that it's a huge country with like no, a very small number of pro teams per capita right and as a result you know like I, professional like youth setups yeah it's a lot of localized shit you know it's never going to be england england has a ton of like you know uh the infrastructure in england is, is fantastic you know small country tons of teams tons of clubs mm -hmm. And if you're good, you can get into a youth setup. It doesn't even have to be like a Premier League time, Premier League team. Excuse me, it could be like a six-tier team. They have a youth setup. You get in and you try to, you know, work your way up. It's always going to be a little different and influenced by like the culture of the place. I think, you know. But I, uh, what I see with soccer, especially in New York, growing up, I'm sure you remember, you had to like find games mm -hmm. or be on a team. Mm -hmm. Now we were talking about earlier. There's apps. There's parks. There's so many. There's AstroTurf fields everywhere. There's concrete fields. So now maybe in ten years, New York players or just northeast players are going to be even better and now the opposite now with stand-up you go to a place like miami there's all these little comedy places opening up you right. go to bogota colombia there's all these little comedy places up so mm -hmm. they're all you know maybe take might take another 10 years but right. you sure. need that quantity you need that and that experience you right. know what i mean and every day like in the morning and the night and not driving three four hours to find a game the, and, the um, thing the thing kind of develops where uh, you know it's able to be fostered whatever the thing is mm -hmm generally you know yeah you, you were saying alex I'll, we'll wrap on this it's been a good chat i, I really enjoyed getting to know you i know Likewise. alex you can i appreciate the connection alex i know we, no we, we got to fuck around a little less Thank but you. uh 
But no, no, no it's, it's all right. It's when you cool. guys started doing all the Italian, he's giving you yeah. a comment. Oh, yeah. When you do the Italian talk, I was just sitting here thinking about my vegan chicken parm earlier. <laughs> <laughs> and my arancata, whatever the fuck, arancata, whatever. Arancata. my bad. Yeah, the V-spot. Shout out the V-spot. Sometimes girl. I wanted to say, like, because they nice to play for, like, Brooklyn Italians, but it's very different. But Funny. there's a lot of things you mentioned, like, talking about in Italy. I'm like, oh, that kind of reminds me when I was playing with, with Nunzio and uh, what was that guy's name, that main guy at Brooklyn Italians? I forgot it. I feel bad that I remember because I smoked a lot of weed. <laughs> But anyway, it, it'll do that. But yeah, yeah. I'm glad I made this connection, man. No, I, I appreciate it very much. Uh, you, you've always been good to me. I mean, I, I value you as a, as, as a, you know, as a, as, a, as an acquaintance here, as a friend here. Uh, yeah, but, but, but this, this, friend. this, this was cool. Yeah, you know. He's like, he's like, he's scumbag. I'm being, like, being realistic. I don't want, you know, I don't overstep. Yeah, yeah we, you've yeah. been good to me. I we have. I haven't tried to kiss you yet. I appreciate but, uh, it. Right. I'm yeah. Like you haven't coffee. reached yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. you, you and I will continue to be around each other. You know, in stand, in stand up and such. You know, so, so I, so I, I the clubs. No, I, I appreciate you, you giving us the, the, you, you were, you were good, you were good, you were a good third mic to have here. I, I appreciate, I appreciate it. As a guy who can never shut the fuck up, I understand how difficult and valuable. It is to, to let the conversation. Of course, no, I'm enjoying. It. I'm just like, this is cool. Yeah, no, you're funny, dude. Fucking the V spot. Check out the V spot in Brooklyn. I still have not. I will while I'm here. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. Vegan chicken parm. If they can make vegan chicken parm, I'm very confident in whatever you know. Vegan chicharrones, whatever you guys, whatever it is you guys make. I don't know, but I mean, listen. I'm gonna be honest. I see vegan chicken parm. I think it's very, it's very difficult to say. Oh, fuck a V spot. I should teach you how to find the G spot, bro. What the fuck, vegan <laughs> chicken parm? That's not a real. Th- but you know, it looked legit. Seventeen years open, man. It's, it's not. It's not bad. I mean, it's American. Was the Italian. chicken parm from the V spot? Uh, not the said- one I ate today. I wanted to give a place a try. It was okay. Okay. Ours is better. Give them no publicity. Yeah, don't. Do no, I don't. We, we, but you've talked about how you actually do vegan chicken parm. Yeah, it's- what they lacked is like they don't use the Italian seasoning and they okay. don't use certain basil that I, I was like, eh, it was a more more American than ours. Well, any, anyway, yeah. Who cares? All right. The V spot, G spot, joke bomb. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Off the dome. It's your V spot. <laughs> Also, St. Mark's. Should be a good menu item. Yeah. Yeah. St. Mark's Comedy Club. Come check it very out. good to me. You guys should get. Okay. The, the V Spot G Spot. The V Spot's G Spot. It's a, it's, a, it's a drink, maybe. Okay. It's a, it's, it's a G Spot. It's got, All right. You come to the V Spot and you try yeah. the G Spot. Come to the, and let, it makes you open your legs up. And we'll hit your V Spot. Finds, finds the we G, hit the V Spot. Hit the V Spot. And no, we're, I, we're, we're spitballing here. This yeah, is it's, get, it's, <laughs> it's getting a little weird, but it's fine. It's okay. I'm trying to find it. The whole thing went great. <laughs> trying to <laughs> I like, listen. I eat the food and I still fuck. Try to make it work. Yeah, I'm trying to make the <laughs> trying to just drive it home. There's got to be there's got to be a way to make this uh, what? make this joke work. People horrible. Are, the reason we even have some Italian options is because it's so it's me and my brother. We're obviously Colombian, New Yorker, American, white boys. But then our business partner is Italian, Italian Croatian guy. But he speaks Italian. Live, you know, you know. He's uh, so that's where we get the little Italian American influence. I think right? I got it. The V spot is a vegan place. You open the G spot, and okay. it's like it's it's carnivore. <laughs> Okay, wow, yeah, all right. Know, carnivore. You know. <laughs> listen, I And they, um, they're just really homophobic, and they're like, listen, you fucking want to go to the V-spot? Those guys don't even know where to find the fucking G-spot. Come to the G-spot. We'll help, we'll help you fucking hit the G-spot. We'll fucking make your brows all grow bigger. Fucking eat, eat me. <laughs> I've hit some G-spots in the V-spot bathroom, so I don't, know if that, I don't know if that helps late night, if you know what I'm saying, after hours. All right, so... so, oh, so it's getting weird again. So you were... Football. So, so you were saying... I want to end on this. You think that New York... I was saying before that I think there's a really good, uh, you know, uh, like bed of talent that comes out of New York. You guys kind of like, you know, more um, Jersey. Uh, yeah, kind of a bit back. Should on be it. New I, I kind of said, all right, all same, same thing, same general area. I know that's like not, you know, whatever. It's 
it's a very outsider thing to do. But from my perspective, I thought, you know, there yeah. was. I figure, like, you know, it's all like the M- it's all the right New York here. Red Bull. Yeah, it's M- literally, just him. There was a kid, Devin Yao. Do you remember Devin? Oh, Devin! Oh Devin's my God, another one. Devin, yeah. Baller. Yeah, he, well, yeah, he used to visit. Nice. So, do, do you think? Again, so in my mind, this is all like, and you know, New York, New York Red Bull country. You know what I'm saying? In that yeah. sense, like they all, they all kind of came out of that. I don't know system, why they don't pick up these urban inner city kids. Well, you were saying you think there's an opportunity for like, you know, a lot of kids to hypothetically go pro. What, where, where does that hypothesis kind of come from? What is leading you to? For me personally, because it's like, just it, is it the technique and the shit you're seeing? Because it feels like none of them have any uh, of the things that we talked about with Gabby, where he, he was able to kind of get. I, a push and have a little bit of good luck to kind of go uh, along with the other elements of the cocktail that are necessary, like the psychosis and the talent. I'll give my quick uh, little response. Know. I do agree that discipline is tough here. There's a lot of uh, uh, temptations, but your average New Yorker, the parents are from another country. They grew up with soccer and they're playing. Like when we, when we play soccer at Pier 40, every game was the World Cup. You're playing with all these different styles, people from that country, even a guy from Texas too. So you're getting a Florida guy, you're getting a dude from actually from Italy, you're getting a group of Brazilians. So you really learn that, uh, what's that word? That the basics, but like what a little flair. I can't explain it. You kind of know, you get, it's like you traveled, but you didn't travel. Yeah, it's, it's you know as opposed mean? to maybe playing in, uh, you know, Wisconsin exactly. or something. So that's where I you think get they more, need uh, something to capitalize on there that they don't. You're saying it doesn't feel like American soccer. At all, it's not at all. New York doesn't even feel like America. We're not really America. No, no. We're like our own thing. You can make the same argument about like Miami and California, you know, which are two, I think, kind of hotbeds of football in particular. More more California. Texas, to an extent... uh, Actually, does very well, but Texas is. But even you know, in, that, but that's a very, it's a very similar culture to uh, you know what is breeding. But even in Cali, you, you'll meet a Brazilian, but you'll meet a Mexican, Guatemalan. You'll meet like yeah. six different countries, Not but as it, big of a melting pot. Yeah, here. the melting pot here. You're literally on the field with eleven different fucking countries. It's crazy, twenty countries. Seems to be uh, it seems to be kind of a theme in what about a lot that? of urban areas yeah. where you just don't have the uh, you're playing in the city and that's it. You play in your town, you play in the area, you play in the neighborhood, and there's. No infrastructure. It was that thing we were talking about at the start of the pod in Brazil, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and for me, in terms of the New York soccer scene and whatnot, and being back here and also being active in it because I'm coaching kids here and seeing uh, six years away and seeing different things, I see progress. I see little goals in certain basketball courts, which mm-hmm. to me was something that was an essential. Like every basketball court in the projects were playground in new york should have should have two goals as well and it's like and just that will 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 motivate kids to just you know be curious and another thing i just i need to see the u.s national team represent what america really is in terms of when you look at that 22-man roster like can we get more mixes can we get like you know i feel like it's still too White suburban, some black kids, and a, and throw in yeah. a Gomez there. You yeah. know what I mean, or a Gonzalez. Well, it's, you know? whoever, it's whoever makes it. So it's about getting. Yeah, but the, whoever it's... makes it is because of the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. you know, giving those guys more of an opportunity. Well, here's the thing. Yeah. Here's here's the thi- here's the thing though, right? Mm-hmm. Like like you're not going to do it through affirmative action. You just can't, right? Because like, it's it's, right. it's sports, it's meritocracy. So it's like how do you how do you get kids from like more pockets of the country to uh, at least have an opportunity? I feel listen. I feel like the numbers have grown substantially. Like the infrastructure compared to what it was. When you were playing, no, it has astronomically better. Yeah. I'm seeing shit like that in Montreal too, which has Montreal's a real hotbed of of soccer in the Canadian context. The Canadian men's national team's doing better. A lot of that is because of people from the province of Quebec. Mm-hmm. There are also a lot of people who don't, uh, you know, who don't ever wind up doing anything, who slip through the cracks, who could definitely play, who could definitely play professionally. Guys, I see, um, you know, guys who I've seen kind of that I've kind of played with or, or um, against, partially due to the shit you're talking about. 
in like schools now, basketball courts have little goals. That's a thing that you know. That's the thing that wasn't around when I was in elementary school. Even just the bars now. There's so many bars playing soccer True. now that True. you know you're just letting them see a little more, a little more. And then they're also learning. Oh shit! Look how Inter plays. Look how uh, Manchester United plays. Exactly. And they could, you know, you learn a little. Yeah. I remember when I started getting better at soccer. It was already too late. I had played it, but I was like around 21, 22. I started smoking weed, watching and paying attention mm. to the tactics. <laughs> and I analyzed it, and studying. I'm like, damn, I play like such an idiot. This I'm play, I don't play smart at all. Right. And then I watched them and like. But only because I should actually try that. You know? Smoke weed and then watch football and be like, I got it all wrong. Yeah. You know? Watch yourself. I know why it never worked out. Dude, smoke and watch yourself. You'll be like, What the fuck have I been doing? <laughs> I suck. Yeah, you're like, I'm horrible. It's or maybe yeah. you got inspired that yeah. day and you know you look like uh messy or something. I've like listened that. to myself yeah. do I've listened to myself doing stand up after smoking. It's a real fucking fine line where you're like, you know, you find shit funnier, oh, but yeah. you're also like paranoid. You're like, Oh my god, oh, this yeah. is this is brutal. I'm I'm dogging it. I'm Dude. fucking not working anywhere near hard enough. You, you think know? you killed, you listen to the tape, you go, what the fuck was that? Yeah. Fucking Mike doesn't pick up the audience. Yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, yeah. You're going to say that. Oh, yeah. yeah. The acoustics are all Somebody off, says you know? the acoustics, they bomb. Oh, the fuck. acoustics were off. Like, oh, you bomb, bro. Just tell <laughs> me you The bomb. ceilings were high. The yeah. laughter didn't, yeah, yeah. It didn't echo and bounce. Yeah. Anyway, it's cool that you're getting involved in the game here locally, that you're trying to give back. I just spat on you. That's, that's my cue to end it. I didn't even see that. My cue to end it. Fuck, dude. About the We're gonna go. We gotta play the G spot and fucking spitting and fucking. <laughs> no, you know fucking, what we do? We should go. Kiss, kiss we should haram, go play pick up kisses. one day, right? We'll get a couple of other guys. I know a couple of good players. We'll bring Marcelo and them, and then we go eat at. Whoever. We spot, I want. I want to. I want to. I want to bring the Jamaicans. Well, I'm gonna. <laughs> Gaddafi, I'm gonna have wine to. And oil. We'll bring him out of prison just for the fucking plot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I don't know. I'll have to go to the G spot alone because I've told. I told you this a year ago. I don't want to be hosted. We would by hope you. you hit the G spot alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Go there. Did I say alone. the G spot? I meant to say the. <laughs> yeah, go there alone. <laughs> I meant to say the V. Spot. Fuck it's fucking. It's, oh, my no. brain is cooked now. No, I. I, I want to hit the. I want to hit the V spot alone. All right, well, because and not tell you and just send you a pig, be like, you know, like a secret shopper, you know. Yes. You were saying you were worried that I was gonna walk in like without giving you a heads up, and like your cousin's gonna greet you, and be like, hey, what's going, what's going uh, on? Yeah, Bob? like, yeah, I'm afraid, like the, you know, who's your cousin? What does he sound like? You fucking made me laugh. You were talking with someone with. Uh, uh well, with one Brian, of my one, one one of my cousins died, unfortunately, but uh, my whole family's so ghetto, bro. People have no idea that they, they, they don't. You know talked anything. about this a year ago, but yeah. was, is it your cousin who uh, who uh, got out of? Yeah, he just got out, and he's great, and he's fun. But you know, he's, he's the one. If I walked was, in, what would he say? He's but no, he'd be like, "Yo, what up?" He's mad. Hey, cool. yo, what up? What up? Yeah, but he's, <laughs> it's a different. It's not like, hey, well, you know. Well, like, I think hey, that's. Yo, what's up? Oh, you know, my cousin. Yo, you want to smoke in the back? You <laughs> know, like he's like that that's style. charming. No, it's yeah. I, I want to have that experience a little. But yeah, you know, I, I if whatever you want to do after, I'll have vegan chicken parm if. If that's what's offered to me, I'm I'm not I'm not rude. But that's the thing. I I know you would try to host the shit out of us. I will, and I will not. So I I will go alone by my own volition and just 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 be like, sorry, the, gotcha. You know, I'm like an Italian grandma, like eat more. Like that's cool. where you would, nice. you'd be used to it. I'm game. No, who, whoever whoever no. want whoever wants to come out, bring the Jamaicans. Whoever I've heard a lot about them. But uh, no, this, this was cool to meet you, man. Uh, thanks for thanks for hooking this up, Alex. No problem, bro. Do, do you have anything that you want to plug, or you you sound like you're kind of just doing your own thing with the coaching and everything? But yeah, I mean, um. Uh, not necessarily plugging anything. I'm very, you know, uh, discreet on social media. I prefer to keep things a bit, you know, mysterious, to be honest. But I'm coaching for a team called Two Bridges, and um, it's going to turn into a USL team, Brooklyn FC. So be on the lookout for that. Cool. And That's I also fire. coach in the mornings with Cronus Brooklyn. Elite, which we coach, you know, top talent in New York in long island so maybe you'll wind up back in the states for longer stretches then you know no, no, i'm here i'm here for the long run now so yeah, we'll see how it so works out. cool man yeah. uh you 
St. Mark's, St. Mark's, Mark's Club, you know, the V spot, commonplace V spot, you know, whatever. I don't know, man. You guys are the shit. Thank you guys for being, Thank fucking having me, and I'm glad this worked out. So I appreciate like. it, man. You Toss a, are, yeah, man. Toss a like on the video if you made it to the end. Hit sub if you're new. I'm supposed to say all that. It's in my contract. It's, it's an obligation. Uh, yeah, I'm at I'm Sam Adamo. If you're listening to this, give it a rating. It helps boost us in the algo. That's it. Appreciate you guys. I don't know when this is coming up, but hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Till next time. Alla prossima. Ciao. Ciao. in discoteca con lo sguardo da serpente io mi sono avvicinato lei già non capiva niente l'ho guardata ma guardato e mi sono scatenato fra la stera al mio confronto era statico e imbranato